This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. over all this COVID stuff. I am over hearing about it. I am over reading about it. I am over discussing it. Honestly, the last thing that I want to discuss is COVID. Uh, I mean, to me, it's just so boring. COVID has now become the kind of talk radio topic that I do whatever I can to avoid. Unfortunately, I am unable to do so because COVID right now is affecting Every aspect of life, it seems right now that you might be listening to the only non-COVID positive person in New York City. That's right. Still certified as such. More on that later. There's an asterisk next to my certification. We'll get into that a little later. But uh, so we are going to try and get some answers on COVID when we talk with Dr. Jay Bhattacharya. As I was just describing to Dominic Carter, Dr. Bhattacharya is not some media doctor who uh, enjoys being on TV. He doesn't need this stuff. He's a real expert. He's a researcher. He's a Ph.D. and a physician. He knows what he's talking about. And he's somebody that's been right far more often than he's been wrong. So I'm very much looking forward to that conversation. If you have questions for him about COVID, uh, they, a lot of people see these statistics, they see these numbers, and they get alarmed. Should you be alarmed? I don't think so. We're going to talk with Dr. Bhattacharya about that coming up in just about 20 minutes. Uh, you know, it reminds me, uh, do, you, uh, do you watch The Twilight Zone? I used to love The Twilight Zone. I still do. In fact, that's one of the things I really look forward to on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. I'm not the biggest college football fan. I much prefer professional football. We'll talk about John Madden a little later as well. But when I would watch uh, on New Year's Day, the thing that I'm most looking forward to doing is watching The Twilight Zone. And then there was one episode where these four astronauts go into space. Maybe it was five. I don't remember. It's been a few years since I've seen this. But these four astronauts or five astronauts go into space and then they come back to space from space and then one of them disappears. And everyone's, uh, you know, wondering, oh, what happened to that guy? But it's like they were erased from history. They're not in any pictures. They're not in any newspapers. Nobody has any memory of them. Then another one disappears. Then another one disappears. I feel like that's what I'm living in. I, you go to work. Oh, what happened to so-and-so? Oh, he's positive. He's not coming in. You go You go to uh, a social function. What happened to so-and-so? Oh, he's positive. Not coming in. Not coming in. Oh, no, 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 he's positive. I am just so over it. It's everywhere you turn. I was describing a situation to a friend of mine last night, and I said, oh, so-and-so is positive. He said, oh, that's no big deal. Everyone's positive now. I am so over this. So we're going to get into this with Dr. Bhattacharya in a little while. I really question, I was just saying this to Rita Cosby off air, I really question the value of testing right now. I don't know how much sense this makes. I really question the value of sending people home right now, especially now that the CDC has reduced their guidance in terms of how long people need to isolate for now to only five days if you're asymptomatic. My solution is if you're sick, if you're showing symptoms, stay home. If you're not showing symptoms, go to work. 
But I'm not a doctor. I always encourage people, check with their physician. And that is some of, some of the issues we're going to talk about with Dr. Bhattacharya on the subject of asymptomatic spread and everything. Because honestly, any which way you turn, all we're hearing, this person's positive, that person's positive, this person's positive. It reminds me, you remember that day on Twitter, I think it was shortly after January 6th, when they just started banning everybody from Twitter. It was like Bloody Sunday, right? Where you just, oh, where's Kevin McCullough? Oh, he's off Twitter. Where's uh, so-and-so? Oh, banned from Twitter. Uh, Trump, banned. Uh, Where's this person? Banned. Everyone's banned, 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 banned. You just didn't know who was going to be next, right? That's where I feel like we are. Now, we're going to get back to COVID in just a little bit with Dr. Bhattacharya. However, there was an interesting story. I might have brought this to your attention a while ago, but a friend of mine emailed me that he has noticed that in New Jersey, it seems that many restaurants, especially pizzerias, are going to a new system of adding three and a half percent to bills if using a credit card. And this person writes, I understand that hair salons and some other businesses are doing the same. And lo and behold, I got a visit from uh, two friends of mine. This week, they're in town from Florida and Bridget and Robert, great folks. They came to see the baby. They brought a baby gift, a bottle of wine as well, a bottle of bourbon, even better, wonderful stuff. And they were telling me that they were just at this restaurant near where I live. It's a great restaurant. I've been there many times. And they said, yeah, the food was good. The service was okay. But I really didn't like that they charged us an extra $25 to use a credit card. Now, I'm not going to mention the business because I don't want to hurt any small business, especially one that I happen to enjoy going to. But I said, I'm surprised to hear that. Uh, I, I they, That was never my experience, but, you know, I took their word for it. So then it just so happens that Curtis was going to this same restaurant last night for an event. And I told him about this because I saw him as I was leaving yesterday. I saw he and Russ Salzberg preparing for their show. And I told Curtis about this. He says, what? They charged an extra $25 just for using a credit card? He says, that can't be. That's not right. And then Russ starts chiming in. He said, you know, I'm one of the few people that still pays with cash for things. You know, a lot of people would be hurt by that. And I'm wondering... If this is the new trend that we're seeing, and I realize there's credit card processing fees, and it, it, not, not that much, not 3.5%. And it does cost the businesses something to take credit cards. You go to gas stations in Jersey and elsewhere, and even in New York, and there's one price for cash, there's one price for credit. And I get it. I get giving people a discount for paying cash. But the idea of charging people an additional fee for using a credit card, especially if it's a 3.5% fee, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right, and I don't think businesses should do it. What I want to do is open the phone lines for you at 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Tell me, wherever you happen to live, anywhere in the country, have you seen this phenomenon of businesses, not just restaurants, hair salons, uh, whatever, dry cleaners, any kind of businesses, Charging an additional fee for using a credit card. Number one, how do you feel about that? Number two, I may have to just go back to carrying around cash because I'm one of these guys that never carries around cash. i got to be honest, or rarely, unless I'm in Atlantic City. Two, um, 
what does this do to the whole credit card reward points industry? Because one of the things that people really enjoy doing, I do this, is I charge everything on my American Express, and then I pay it off at the end of the month, and I rack up points. Well, I'm going to stop doing that if if more and more businesses go towards charging people a fee. And I'd really love to hear from the, the small business owners in our audience and if you're doing something like this, why or why not? Again, I think it's great if you want to offer a cash discount or even if you want to say on the bill, tips preferred in cash. But if you're going to put a flat fee of 3.5% addition for paying with a credit card, I don't think that's right. I think it's too much. I think it's inappropriate. Convince me otherwise. 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Now, I was informed as I was driving into work last night that uh, Ryan, who was call screening the last two days, is not in today. He doesn't have COVID, but he's under the weather for for other reasons. Do you know how many sick days I've I've had? Do you know how many sick days I've had in my entire radio career? I think about 11 uh, – what year is it? 16 years ago – I had the flu, and I think I took three days off, 16 years ago. In the last 16 day, sixteen years, I've taken zero sick days. I don't understand these people. I mean, look, if you're really sick, don't come to work. I question whether or not Ryan was was really super sick. However, again, I don't want to make Ryan the villain here. We are lucky enough to have returning to her former role where uh, where she has shined for a long time. Molly will be screening your uh, your phone calls today as our telephone talent coordinator, and uh, she does a great job on that. So I'm sure she's not pleased. She's got to do all of her existing responsibilities, plus the added responsibilities of screening your phone calls. And uh, I'm not necessarily that pleased with her in that it looks like she took the last Diet Coke from the refrigerator in the kitchen, but I'm trying not to drink soda anyway, so I suppose it's just as well. 800-848-9222. Have you noticed restaurants, businesses in general, charging more for credit cards? If you're a business owner, uh, explain to me how this shakes out. If you're a consumer, you think this is just an opportunity for businesses to bilk consumers to to price gouge 800-848-9222 and what do you think this does to the credit card reward points industry and the credit card reward industry in general i will also be returning to the wabc early news today from five to six a.m for one one day because frank diaz apparently he has covid as well <laughs> so i i was listening that frank literally sits sits he's right on top of me as i'm leaving here and I'm walking out the studio door, and the first thing I hear him say is, and I'll get the audio a little later. First thing I hear him say is, oh, excuse me, uh, pardon me, I'm feeling a little under the weather today. I, I'm, I'm try- I turn around. I said, weren't you just literally on top of me? I got a baby at home. What are you doing coming to work when you're feeling a little under the weather? Stay home if you're under the weather, uh, if you're legitimately under the weather, which he clearly was. So worry, that's Brian. where we are. Uh, 800-848-9222. What was that? I missed don't that. Don't worry, Frank. Oh, don't worry. That's, uh, that's Tom Hanks. Is that Road to Perdition? What movie is that, Matt? That is uh, Catch Me If You Can. Oh, Catch Me If You Can. Right, Frank Ab- Abagnale. Right. right. Okay. Uh, there you go. All right. Credit cards and fees. Do restaurants, businesses in general have a right to charge? 
Should they charge? 800-848-922 is the solution just to have everybody start paying cash. Give me your calls, your thoughts, your sentiments, and then we'll talk with uh, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, one of the real experts when it comes to medicine and the economy in just a few minutes. Let me begin with Karen in Woodbridge. Hello, Karen. Hi. Good morning, Frank. Morning. Uh, how are you? Nice I'm great. Thank you. you. Okay. Um, I live in New Jersey where we do not pump our own gas. And uh, one day uh, I was using a credit card and uh, it didn't it didn't go through and I could not understand. I was upset. So I immediately went to my bank and my bank realized that already they had charged me an extra two dollars just because the credit card didn't function. However, the bank, which is Bank of America, warned me, do not ever use a debit or credit card at one of those stations because of the skimming devices that can be put, slipped in where the credit card slot is. But in that and case, girlfriend- in that case, the gas station, that, that, that skimming device, that wasn't store policy. I mean, that was somebody ripping you oh. off. Exactly. And you never know. And I try to think my gas stations are honest. But a few years ago, a girlfriend of mine used another Bank of America and she had her entire uh, checking account wiped out. Because there was a skimming device. If you actually get out of the car, but we can't do that in New Jersey, you can you will see you will feel it wiggle. If there's a skimming device in place, you will feel it wiggle. It doesn't seem quite right. Uh, But but here in New Jersey, we don't get out and actually insert our own cards. So we wouldn't know that. So it's easier to rip somebody off in New Jersey. Well, it's interesting. I, uh, but by the way, in those cases, the skimming devices at gas stations, is it generally the gas station attendant that's doing it? Or is it the owner of the gas station? Who's generally responsible oh, it, for that it kind of thing? it would be uh, like an unethical employee. Right. Yes. Oh, I hate to hear that, Karen. But uh, I've oh, long been an advocate of New Jersey people being able to pump their own gas, at least have the option. Oh. Uh, I've always thought that they should be able to. But what Karen's talking about is a little bit different from what I'm talking about. What Karen's talking about is a situation where they're looking to rip you off, where where it's they're, you, you, they're basically robbing you. I'm talking about a situation that's above board, where a business, a restaurant, a salon, a dry cleaner, they say, hey, look, you want to pay with a credit card? You're paying an extra 3.5%. I just got an SMS text message here from my mother who said um, that that charge is common now, a credit card fee. Isn't that a shame? Again, I may have to go back to just carrying cash. 800-848-WABC. Let me say hello to Frank in Fairfield. Hello, Frank. Hey, how's it going, Frank? Doing um, well. Anyway, yeah, this is about the credit card fees, with, uh, specifically with restaurants. Um, my family's had a restaurant for years. and uh, You, you said, I'm, had, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I wait, just Frank, I, I didn't hear what you said exactly. You said you've had a restaurant for years? My family's had a restaurant for years. Got it, okay. years. Got it. And uh, we used to hire some, uh, like, high school kids, you know, for a few hours here, a few hours there, helping us out, and pay them cash, and it was relatively above board. But uh, we seem to notice uh, in the last, about, about 10 years or so, that when people pay with a credit card and they tip on a credit card, that full amount of tip gets put on to, uh, you know, you get paid out, like, uh, at the end of the week or whatever. And the full amount of tip actually gets tacked on to your um, your, your your weekly pay, uh, regardless of how much you actually get. Because uh, being a manager, I never actually kept any tips. You know, I would just give mine to the other people that work for us and stuff. 
And uh, at the end of the year, I ended up having to pay somewhere close to like uh, as though I made uh, ten thousand more than I actually made. So that's one issue. Wait, wait. I, 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 you, you, lo- you lost me, Frank. Uh, so I, I, I didn't follow that at all. Um, so, oh, so you had to pay taxes on tips that you didn't earn. I guess is that what what I'm getting? Correct. Okay, and that's why you put the credit card fee in place. Well, that's one of the issues. Uh, and, uh, another thing is, uh, I think uh, I, I, personally, I'd rather pay cash for things. Right. Um, so is that your, as somebody that's something of an expert in this, is that your recommendation to folks? Just pay cash? Yes, but a lot of places don't want to take cash anymore. Right. Well, well that's, a, that's a story for another day. We've actually covered that as well. Frank, thank yeah, you for and- calling. Thank you for listening. Uh, best of luck if your family still has that restaurant. Greg is in Mount Vernon. Hello, Greg. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank uh, you for asking. Good. Good. I, I, I was, uh, your, your, uh, your scenario piqued my interest because my wife and I run a small hair salon and we don't, we don't accept credit cards because of the fees that we're charged. And not only that, we get a statement from the credit card company that tells exactly how much they paid us. So it's guaranteed that you have to pay you, you know, there's no getting around that. You have to give that to your accountant and you have to pay it. It's linked to your, you know, your tax ID number. So you lose any kind of uh, anonymous, you know, uh, element. And not only that, people are happy to pay cash or checks. We accept cash and checks. But I could definitely see why people would charge a two percent fee. Three and a half is a little high. It is that is that is a bit high, uh, Greg. I'm with you too. A slight credit card fee to cover the cost of the restaurant. That's the other thing. Thank you, Greg. And again, I love our restaurant owners. I, not only in this region, but everywhere. I eat out far too often. But look, let's be honest here. We're all we're all among friends. We're all being honest here. A lot of restaurants prefer both tips and your bill paid in cash. A lot of, I don't want to just limit it to restaurants. All businesses might prefer your bill paid in cash because, let's face it, they may not declare all that income on their taxes. They may not pay sales tax on it all. I've seen many instances of people who uh, will say, will quote one price uh, for if you're paying cash, that does not include sales tax and another price if you're not paying cash that will include sales tax. And basically what that says to me, and I don't like to do business with those people, because basically what that says to me is, oh, you're going to commit tax evasion, which I don't like. So there's 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 that. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Tom in Florida. Good morning, Tom. It's Tony. Tony, I'm sorry. That was uh, that was my error, uh, Tony. I apologize. That's okay. It's real nice talking with you. Likewise. I live in Florida in an area that's like totally opposite of New York City. It's wide open and all woods, and the closest gas station is seven miles away, closest anything really. And I found out by accident that they'll have the amount of the gas per gallon and uh, mounted, and you think that's what you're paying. But if you use a credit card, 
it goes up three cents a gallon and they don't tell you. Well, see, that's not right. Uh, that's I don't like that deception. Again, if this restaurant is advertising that they're charging more than three and a half, that they're charging three and a half percent, that's one thing. But if they don't tell you, I've got a big problem with that, Tony. Thank you. And again, I want to make clear, Molly, correctly, unlike Ryan before her, correctly put the name of the person on the screen. You know, again, when Ryan's here, uh, I, I go to the screen. Uh, so, hey, Fred. Oh, my name's not Fred. It's it's Philip. Oh, okay. All right. I don't know where we got further. Oh, but neither here nor there. Pete is on Staten Island. Hello, Pete. Hey, Frank. Yeah, I went to a place and they had the tip including in the meal because they had like a little, like a hibachi show. I'm not going to say the place. And uh, the waiter was kind enough to tell me. I I, I kind of tipped them kind of generously because I enjoyed the show. And he said, geez, he says, you gave me a 50% tip. I said, what? He goes, well, we had you down for 18%, and then the rest of it you gave me, you know. Uh, so I told him, so I caught it, and then I gave him exactly the tip for being honest, uh, you know. But uh, I was surprised to find the tip added on the bill. I've seen I mean, that as well. Was that a large party, or was that just a small party? No, it was like a hibachi, you know, they were flicking the meat up in the air and throwing yeah. it. But, but, but I'm saying, how many people was it? Was it five people? Was it four people? Well, we had people? About, I had about ten people. Well, see, that's people. the thing. What what they do a lot of times with large parties of eight or more, they put the gratuity in there. And sometimes, I again, as long as they tell you, I don't have a problem with it. And sometimes what they do, that does make it simpler because rather than have ten people or nine people divide the bill by nine and then each put what they want as the tip, at least that simplifies things a little bit. I'm all for that, Pete. My issue is deception. And I'm just wondering, one, if this is now the trend with businesses to charge an extra fee for credit card. Two, how do you feel about this as a consumer? Are you noticing this same trend? Apparently, my mother has been. Three, what does this do to the credit card reward points industry? That's the question nobody has had an answer for yet. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Mario is in Jersey City. Good morning, Mario. Yes, Frank. Nice talking to you. You're the best. But I have two businesses for over 40 years. One is a sports bar with food, Portuguese food. And I have I take credit cards. And the other one is a fast food place, Hamburgers White Manor in Jersey City. I don't take credit cards. But the reason why I started charging just this year, I started charging the 3% is because the credit card companies charge us a fee for every time we use a credit card. But the machine itself, when you use a debit card, it does not charge you the fee, even though it's in the machine. The machine automatically puts the 3%. But I had to ask for it. But the one business on the restaurant where I accept the credit cards a year would cost me over $50,000, and I'm a small business. Well, so then that's why do you pass that that's fee why I started, yes, onto your customer. Yes, because credit card companies, whether it's American, everyone, they charge us a fee. If you use $5, they charge, I think it's a dollar, almost $2 for every time wow. you use that's, the credit that's card. Sub, that's substantial. Uh, by the way, uh, Mario, you'll be happy to know that uh, our telephone talent coordinator, Molly, big fan of your restaurant. She loves your restaurant. Well, Thank so, you. I've been there for 40 years. Wow. Well, that was my, my first job. My first job from high school and college. I saved the money to go to City Hall for law. And the money I had saved, I went up buying the white man. Wonderful. I worked, that was my my only job since I was a kid. Sounds like you're doing something right. So the 
with the fees that you pay in the uh, for the credit card companies, do you pass those fees on as they are, or do you tack on a little bit more? Well, the three percent there might be a little bit more than the fee, but uh, 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 it's not that much. I mean, you spend you know a hundred dollars, which we don't. You know, my bills are probably like twenty to thirty dollars, so it ends up being like ninety cents, a dollar something. You know, for the three percent, which is not that much. And if it's debit, it, we don't. The, the machine itself will not charge you any money. Let me ask but you this. Get, let me end with this, Mario. And I, and I found that out. I found that out because I, I go to a steakhouse here in Clifton, maybe once every month. And one day, I looked at the at the bill, and it had the fee. I said, "Wow, I never saw that." Because I usually give the tips in cash. Because the waiters also some something that they should people should know is that if you give cash, they don't have to declare the tip. Right, right. I've seen that before. Now, let me ask you this, Mario. I'll end with this, and I appreciate your insight on this. Have you noticed more businesses passing on doing this credit card fee, an extra fee for using your credit card? And why is that the case? Why are businesses all of a sudden more likely to charge customers a credit card fee? Yeah, because they're getting hit with the fee from the credit card company. I see. So it's the credit card companies that are starting this whole domino effect. Yes, and I didn't know for 40 years. This is my first year that I, I'm charging. Interesting. All right. Well, good luck to you, Mario. And then, when it, and then the one thing, the one thing with the credit cards, which is good, with with in the bar in the sports bar that that I use, the, you know, the people pay with credit cards. People tend to spend more. Oh and wow, that's certainly true in my case. You're not using real yes. money. You're using a credit card. You pay it yes. off over five years. That uh, yes. steak dinner. Usually, people will spend more money when they use a credit card. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, appreciate it. That's a that's a nice guy and an informed guy and a guy whose restaurant is endorsed by uh, Molly, of all people. Jacqueline is in the East Village. Welcome aboard, Jacqueline. Oh, no, I'm not in the East Village. I'm in the West Village. Ah, okay. Big, big difference. Yeah, but there anyway. certainly is. There certainly is. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a, uh, that uh, phenomenon has been cropping up a lot in the small shops here. So I'm seeing it in two of the butchers where I shop. And they're very upfront about it, sign in the window, you know, due to fees we have to pay, we're going to be charging, uh, I think it's 1.5% mm. at one place. And I don't know what the other one is, but I don't mind that because, the, you know, the uh, I can pay cash. That's not a problem. And the nail salon as well uh, gives me a discount if I pay cash. Uh, so I did that the other day. And I was tipping on the lower price, and they said, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, you're supposed to think the tip should be twenty percent, and it should be." And it was a matter of like, you know, a dollar difference. But I, I thought that was a little egregious to chase after me for a tip. Oh well, that's true. Uh, I have a big problem when people do that. Yeah, and another thing you might want to talk about at some point are the fees that are charged to make reservations. Well, you know, I I am going to revisit that in a future show, Jacqueline. I appreciate the call because a lot of restaurant owners have started doing that. I've noticed that as well. We'll really, we'll, we'll revisit that in a future show, potentially maybe when we have a restaurant owner on to talk about that because that is a separate issue. It's not related to these credit card fees. But there you have it. I found Mario's explanation very clear and very, I don't know, very meritorious. The credit card companies are bilking these small businesses. And the businesses have no choice but to pass that on to the customer. Well, there you go. I think I may have to just start paying cash. All right. 
In the meantime, hey, we're going to talk with Dr. Jay Bhattacharya in just a minute. If you are interested in better health, though, there's one thing that you can do right away. You can check out Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com. It is a phenomenal product, a gentle daily cleanse that tastes great and works to get things moving. It's no secret that stress can wreak havoc on our digestive system, and right now, Anywhere you go, you're seeing stress, stress, stress. And if you're feeling stopped up and bloated, that's never a good thing. Life Change Tea is all natural and non-GMO. One package will last you a whole month. Life Change Tea is only available by logging on to the website, getthetea.com. While you're there, check out all their other great products designed for your optimum health. Don't miss out. Life Change Tea at getthetea.com. It is the tea that makes you go. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Well, there are a number of alarming headlines. The New York State COVID positivity rate surges to almost 20%. We are seeing even greater than that in New York City. Something like 17% of the NYPD is COVID positive. We are seeing uh, alarming COVID positive rates on Long Island and throughout our area. Is it time to panic? Should people start worrying? Is it time for people to start running in the streets and pulling out their hair as they run screaming? Someone that I hope will have the answers to those questions and a whole lot more is one of my favorite people to talk to and a man who, as far as I'm concerned, has been far more correct than he has been incorrect since this whole thing began, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya. He's a professor of medicine at Stanford University, a research associate with the National Bureau of Economics Research and a senior fellow at the Stanford Institute for Economic Policy Research. Dr. Bhattacharya, is it time to worry yet? Well, I think um, one, well, a couple of things. One is that uh, it, it seems like in this wave, unlike in past waves, when we've seen a, a big increase in cases and deaths have followed, there seems to be a decoupling between cases and deaths. We're seeing many fewer deaths per case than we saw in previous waves. Uh, this, this happened, for instance, in South Africa with with this with this new Omicron variant. It seems like it's much milder. And that is good news. I mean, and, and frankly, that means, uh, to me, that means we, it's not time to panic. Frankly, it's never a good time to panic, Frank, but I think that this time, uh, it's definitely not time to panic. Um, that, that said, there's still, you know, this is still COVID, and uh, those people who are older, especially, uh, still face higher risk from this, uh, and, and especially if they have been not been vaccinated. So, uh, I think if someone is older uh, and hasn't been vaccinated, I very strongly recommend doing that definitely uh, as, 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 quick, as soon as possible, especially if they haven't also had COVID before. Um, and the other thing is 
the other reason not to panic is that we now have better tools than we once did to deal with COVID once once you get it, right? So, so for instance, um, there are these monoclonal antibodies. They're not as widely available as I'd hoped they would be, but they're still available, especially for people who are vulnerable. Um, and uh, you know, the, we and and I think that at this point there are much better tools to try to to cope with the disease. The vaccines protect, even though they don't protect against cases, they protect against severe disease. Um, and and, that, and we're facing a variant that's much less, uh, much milder than the previous variant. And, that, and that's all good news. I want to get back to the, the thing you just mentioned about this variant being milder than the previous variant. But uh, one of the things that uh, I guess might be cause for concern is that this variant seems more contagious than previous variants. Additionally, people that have had the virus before, they seem to be able to get reinfected with this Omicron variant. So based on the data that we're seeing so far, both in the United States and South Africa, are we to believe that there is no protection if you have uh, recovered from the virus previously to this Omicron variant? If you've had prior infection, does that not protect you from getting infected this time around? Well, we don't yet have a full answer to that. Uh, it looks like that if you had prior infection, you can get infected again with this variant um, and at, at probably higher rates than with the previous variants. And same thing with the vaccine. If you have the vaccine, you can get infected with this variant. Um, there's some degree of immune escape in the sense that you can get infected. But, and this is the good news, that if, if you either if you had the vaccine or if you've had the a prior infection and recovered from it, you are protected against severe disease pretty substantially. I mean, that doesn't mean that if you're if you're older or if you're, if you're vulnerable, you can still get sick. Um, but it's gonna it's in general going to be much milder uh, if you've had the previous infection and, and then and, and get it again. In fact, actually, one one thing that's very important to understand: we don't have a technology to stop the spread of this disease. We tried so many things over the past year. We've tried lockdowns the last two years. We've tried lockdowns. We hoped the vaccine would stop the spread of the disease, but it does not. We've tried masks. None of these none of these technologies work to stop the spread of the disease. Uh, the long run of this disease, in fact, the, the long run may be here, is that uh, it, it's like a common cold virus in the sense that we repeatedly get infected with it with our li- throughout our lives. You get infected with it, you have some immunity, and uh, that immunity eventually declines to the point where you can get infected again. But because you've been infected before and recovered, or in this case, if you have the vaccine, you are protected against severe disease. And the next time you get it, it'll be milder than the first time, generally. I mean, there may be exceptions, but that's, that's the general thing. Um, I think that is the long run of this disease. We get, we face it repeatedly in our life, but it becomes over time, uh, you know, the second, third time you face it, milder and milder compared to what it was before. Uh, the first time you face it, it's really important then to have a vaccine to, to blunt the harm from the disease so that if you get sick, uh, get, get infected, it doesn't produce a severe disease. The best news that I saw in the last 24 hours was the headline in not only the New York Times but other publications, Omicron variant might help defend against Delta, lab study suggests. And apparently in the lab, Antibodies produced during this Omicron infection did protect against the more severe, the deadlier forms of this virus. If that's the case, if every first of all, do you buy that study? Is that study uh, credible in your view? I mean, it's certainly credible. The the, the thing is, when you uh, get infected by this Omicron, it's not just 
So Omicron differs from Delta in lots of ways uh, on, on one of the parts of the virus, the spike protein, it differs from the other parts of the virus, of the Delta in other way, in other, I mean, there's, it's not just the spike protein in the virus, there's other parts of the virus and you produce antibodies to lots of parts of the virus if you get infected. And so it's not surprising that those antibodies that protect you against Omicron also protect you against Delta. If you've been infected, if you've been infected mm-hmm. and recovered from it. Um, so that, in that sense, it's, it's acting just like other common cold viruses. Um, so you get some protection from, of other variants from this, from this infection or this one. We're talking with Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, professor of medicine at Stanford University, research associate with the National Bureau of Economics Research. He is both an MD and a PhD, so when people address him, they actually have to say doctor, doctor. Uh, it's very <laughs> awkward. It makes for a lot of lengthy conversations. So, uh, Dr. Bhattacharya, in, in review of the three, three of the things that you just said, one, that vaccinated people tend not to get severe symptoms with this Omicron variant, very few hospitalizations, almost zero deaths. Two, that this strain appears to be milder. And three, that it stands to reason, at least at this point, that this Omicron variant, recovery from it, would give you protection from other more serious forms of this virus. Maybe this is the most important question I'm going to ask. Does it make sense for everyone who's vaccinated anyway to try to get the Omicron variant of the coronavirus? I mean, I don't I don't ever recommend people trying to get sick. That doesn't make any sense uh, to me. And as I said, there may be people who are immunocompromised or who have who are, who are older uh, um, who may face still some some uh, you know, threat from even Omicron. Uh, so I think the, the, the smart thing isn't to go out and try to get sick. The smart thing is to understand what your risk profile is. And then um, if you're if you're not in a high risk group, which is probably most, you know, most people who aren't older, uh, just live your life. I mean, and if, you know, if you do sensible things, stay home if you're sick, just like we would normally would with with the flu or whatever else. Um, but don't disrupt the lives of regular people, people who aren't particularly at high risk in order to avoid getting this. I think that's that's my advice on this. I, I don't think trying to trying to get this is not like the measles where you go out and try to, you know, like in the old days, people would try right, to chicken you know, pox party, chicken right. pox parties or right. whatever. Right. I mean, um, here here you have a vaccine that's that's really effective and gets preventing severe disease. We should be using those tools to try to minimize the, the, the morbidity from this thing. I mean, I don't again, it's COVID. We don't want to minimize it. So but at the same time, we don't want to minimize the harms from locking yourself away or, or not living your life. I mean, those harms we felt all of us the last two years, those those lockdown harms are, are oh. can be devastating and harmful to uh, your health. Well, now I want to ask you about that in, in a minute. But maybe the next most important question that I'm that I'm going to ask you, uh, let's say someone tests positive in a rapid test. Let's say somebody uh, is in close contact with someone that's tested positive either on a rapid or a PCR test, but they themselves are not showing symptoms. What is the likelihood, the possibility based on your research of asymptomatic spread of the virus? If people aren't demonstrating any symptoms, should they avoid being in contact with people? Should they stay home from work? Should they avoid, uh, you know, avoid being in touch with folks? I mean, in general, asymptomatic spread, if you are asymptomatic and have positive virus, it is possible 
to spread the disease, but much less likely than if you're symptomatic. About basically all of the evidence that I've seen on on, on the spread of this disease uh, documents that. So it's not impossible, but um, but much much less likely than if you have symptoms, which is well, the base for my advice. If you're symptomatic, stay home. Um, now, if you're asymptomatic, you can you can get one of those at home antigen tests and check and it seems like for omicron at least it if like the second day that the virus is in you you it'll turn positive it's a little less reliable the first day so the question is what do you do with that well most people who are asymptomatic are not sick and they won't get sick like if you just look in the population at large after you take everybody without symptoms the vast majority of them are not sick so you shouldn't be using um, i mean you shouldn't be Putting those people in, um, and telling them don't go to work, don't go to school, don't don't live your life, that doesn't make any sense because then you just essentially would shut society down on the small chance that you might spread spread the disease. Um, rather, it's much smarter to say just live your life if you're asymptomatic, and if you if you're in a high risk group, take precautions to to be protected, and, and the most important precaution is to be vaccinated. Well, the, um, no, but, no argument uh, or no, no question for me based on what you said about high risk groups and the importance of vaccination for everybody, but especially the high risk groups. My, my question, based on what you just said regarding a positive antigen test and being asymptomatic, you know, we do testing here at our workplace regularly. I think today they're going to do give everybody the rapid tests, and the policy of the the radio station has been. If you're positive, even if you're asymptomatic, they send you home. There's a lot of business owners listening to us right now who also do testing. Is that a wise policy? If someone is genuinely asymptomatic and they test positive on a rapid test either at work or one of these home antigen tests, should they immediately go home and, and, and you know, isolate? I mean, I guess it would depend on the nature of the work. So, like, if you're in a workplace where – if everybody gets the disease all at the same time and are all home for the, for a week together and it destroys your business, then, I mean, I think that, that kind of policy might make sense. On the other hand, you're at a workplace where, you know, mostly you're in an office by yourself and you're not really interacting with a lot of people or with the public, and then, you know, why? Uh, it, it should be a decision made in context of the activities you're doing, uh, uh, you know, how, how much interaction you have with others and the, and the harm from lots of people getting this illness all at once for your business, rather than a blanket rule that would apply to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, in schools, for instance, I just don't think it makes sense. I mean, I think it makes, like, we, we should tr- be doing our absolute best to keep kids in school, uh, especially given the harm that we've imposed on them in the last two years by essentially, well, first for a year and a year and a half almost, shutting the schools down in, in many many blue states um, altogether, and then and then now this year sending lots of kids home with, just because they were in contact with someone who turned out positive or you know turned out positive even though they themselves were not positive. Um, we, we've done enormous harm to our children. I think uh, there for schools at least, I would recommend a policy of only sending home kids if they're sick. Even if they've tested positive, uh, they can still be in school as long as they're not sick. Yeah, and as long because you know, kids inherently are less likely to spread the disease, even if they're positive, than adults are. That's been that's been true. We've known that for quite a while now. Uh, it's almost from like April of 2020. We knew that from a fantastic study in Iceland. Um, I, so I don't. I think uh, again, the, the the principle isn't 
let's minimize the disease spread altogether, regardless of the harm it imposes on people from that minimization activity, the lockdowns. The, 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 the thing is, let's be prudent. Let's balance the harms with the benefits and, t- and take wise action uh, to minimize the risk that, that people who are at risk face, while at the same time trying to minimize the harms from the, the restrictions on activities that have you know, devastated uh, the small businesses, working class, poor people uh, throughout the country. One of the things that we heard uh, during the height of the coronavirus pandemic a year or so ago is that it didn't seem to have much effect on children. Even if children uh, tested positive, it seemed like most of them had pretty mild symptoms. Now, more children are being treated by COVID. Is this an indication that Omicron is more severe for children than the previous variants, or is this uh, Possibly a reflection of the low vaccination rate among children for for COVID. I mean, I think a lot of the reporting on this has been not quite right. From the, from the evidence that I've seen, children uh, react to Omicron similarly to how they reacted to the other variants, very mildly. Um, the the, uh, the there are children being hospitalized, just as there were children hospitalized this summer. But I think no, many of those cases the. Uh, COVID was incidental. Like there are other viruses. I'll just give you an example. In the summer of this year, we had an out-of-season epidemic of this virus called the respiratory syncytial virus, which actually can put kids in the hospital. And so a lot of kids were put in the hospital out of uh, with this RSV wave. Incidentally, had COVID, but it was really RSV that was that was that was more more risky to them. So I don't think that, at least not the evidence I've seen, Frank, that suggests anything that that, that this is this version of the virus is any more ris- risky for children than um, than the previous versions were. Uh, children are still at incredibly low risk from COVID if they were to get infected. They 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 tend to have much less uh, much fewer symptoms and they tend to have much 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 lower death rates. From the virus, there's still a thousand-fold difference in the risk of the vi- of death from uh, young, older to younger. Uh, even with Omicron, it, 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 that that appears to be the case. And but of course, with the overall death rate so much lower than it is was for the the the, uh, the previous variants. A lot of folks eager to ask you questions. I'm going to give them an opportunity to do so. But I'll ask you my last question. This is the uh, you know the the Christmas and New Year's season. A lot of people having holiday parties. A lot of people getting invited to holiday parties, if someone is vaccinated, if someone is not, uh, for whatever reason, at a high risk of, of uh, severe complications due to COVID because of uh, being elderly or something like that, uh, should people avoid holiday gatherings of any sort right now? I mean, I think, again, the question is one of prudence. If you are not at high risk, if you've had the disease and recovered, or or if you're vaccinated, um, well, I mean, you know, it's important for our mental health, for for our, our, our essentially for our well-being, to have those kind of meaningful interactions sure. with people. We we avoided them for so long. Yeah. I don't actually think it's wise in that in the case in that case. Now, again, if you're if you're vulnerable, uh, if you're if you're older and you have your otherwise or immunocompromised or otherwise at high risk, then you know then maybe it's prudent to 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 to. Uh, to uh, scale back some, but that would be true whether there was COVID over there sure. or not. Sure. Let me so, squeeze in a, a couple of quick calls, Dr. Bhattacharya, before we uh, run out of time. Jennifer's in Boston. Jennifer, what's your question for Dr. Bhattacharya? Hi. Uh, thank you, doctor, for taking this call. I'm just wondering about transmission. 
we were told with Delta um, by the so-called experts at the CDC and so forth that Delta was far more transmittable and that it only took incidental contact. I never was able to find out what that means. And now we're being mistold that this variant is far more transmissible than the previous. So I'm wondering if you could enlighten us somehow about how this is actually transmitted, like how much time would you need to be around someone, you know, how much exposure. And sure, what a good question, virus. Jennifer. Uh, doctor, any, any thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So the key thing that the evidence seems to suggest that this is mainly transmitted via aerosol spread. Aerosol means like, think of aerosol like a cloud, a droplet like rain, right? So an aerosol, you, you, it's basically spread by uh, a, a little cloud uh, of, 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 that may include some, some moisture that, includes, that has the virus in it, and you breathe that in. That seems to be the main way. So that means, what that means is that if outdoors it doesn't, it's not transmitted very fi- efficiently, uh, in rooms that are well ventilated, it doesn't transmit very efficiently. It's in poorly ventilated rooms where you're crowded with lots of people, that's where it's likely to get transmitted. Uh, Nikki in Manhattan, very quickly, what's your question for Dr. Bhattacharya? Thanks, Frank. Um, Doctor, could you clear up the confusion about RNA and how it's related to DNA? There's been so much uh, confusing information, and um, is there any truth to messenger RNA vaccines actually affecting your DNA short-term or long-term? Uh, great question. So uh, uh, the way that, that, that uh, our bodies work, our DNA are sort of like the code uh, that produces ultimately proteins that make up so much of the structure of our body um, and of the cells and the function of our cells. But the way that the proteins get made, DNA first gets translated into RNA, and then RNA is then uh, translated tra- translated into, uh, into, DNA, into, into the proteins. The mRNA is a, a, a basically just a, a code uh, for production of a protein. The, the vaccine, when you take this mRNA vaccine, it produces your body. It's taken up by the cells, and it produces this protein that your that your immune system reacts to and remembers and how to deal with the, when it faces the virus. It does not change your DNA. Cannot. In fact, the mRNA t- tends to get destroyed in the process of. Of, uh, of, of doing that translation to, to the protein, it does not change your genetic code. It does not change your DNA. So that is just it's a, it's a, it's uh, I've heard that people say that, but yeah, it's, not it's true. misinformation. Uh, it's misinformation. Yeah. I'm glad we could ke- clear that up, Doctor Bhattacharya. I always feel smarter after we speak and always better informed. I very much appreciate you staying up late with us tonight, and hope we can do this again soon. Thank you, Frank. Take care. Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, one of the great experts on this subject and any subject related to medicine or the economy, particularly when those those areas intersect. We'll take your calls next, 800-848-9222. Uh, I, I, can't, I have no more answers for you on, on medical questions, but if you want to comment, you're welcome to do so, 800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Magic Man. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. 
You know, I, I don't like to disclose private conversations on the air, especially with with my boss. But I'm going to share one, uh, and I hope I don't get in trouble for this. But every Sunday when we record, when we when we do the Cats Roundtable. Uh, I get, you know, we, we set up a few minutes before and I'm talking with John Katsimatidis and the other people that are on the show, uh, uh, J, J.P. Miller from The Empire Report and other people. And John tapes the, the show or broadcasts the show from home. And so Margo's with him on Sunday morning. So we're talking, we're making some small talk off air. And and John and I are talking about a, a mutual friend of ours who was feeling a little under the weather. And Margo says... Well, maybe he has a cold. And John says to Margo, there are no more colds. There is only COVID. And it was so funny to me. And I found it so funny because it's true. I mean, I am looking at these people waiting hours and hours in line outside, freezing to death in order to find out if they're positive or negative. When really, how will that change your life at all? I mean, you'd do the same things that you would do if you had a cold or if you had the flu. I mean, I really think we're getting a little carried away here, personally. But that's for you to decide. You know what's certainly getting carried away? Inflation. Inflation is very alarming. And if you are somebody that is worried about inflation, then you really need to think about legacy precious metals. They are a tremendous gateway to help you invest in gold. If your money is sitting in a traditional retirement account, it's getting eaten away right under your nose. Gold and precious metals offer a hedge against inflation and protect your retirement. So if you have an existing retirement account, think about rolling it into a gold or a silver IRA. If you do that, do it with legacy precious metals. Gold should be a part of every investor's portfolio. It's part of mine. Legacy is the company that you can trust because they give you unbiased counsel based on your individual situation. Contact Legacy Precious Metals today, 866-932-0635. That's 866-932-0635. Or you can go to LegacyPMInvestments.com, request their free guide. And when they ask you where you heard about it, tell them you heard about it from me. In the meantime, I will take your calls next. Got a lot of other stuff. No more guests. So there's plenty of time for you to be heard on just about any subject. Still to come, the least covered stories of 2021. And uh, in the words of the great Bob Barker, make sure you help control the pet population. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Fascinating story in the New York Post. And this is one of those stories that I just, I almost can't believe. You know, the New York Post does, I've noticed, I've noticed their game. They are all about clicks, right? So I've noticed they put a lot of stories on their website just to generate clicks. Now, normally, these are stories that somehow have something to do with sex, a uh, woman with the lo- world's largest breast implant says she doesn't regret getting them. You know, it's something like that usually. But once in a while, it's a story that's pretty interesting. Sometimes it's a poll, as is the case here. 
And this is very interesting. I'm curious if you believe it. I'm going to tell you what this poll that the New York Post is reporting on says, and then you tell me if you believe it. I'm skeptical. I'm actually going to go on record and say I don't believe this. Nearly one in ten mothers do not know who fathered their child, according to a surprise new poll in the United Kingdom. The question about paternal identity was included in a broader survey about lying commissioned by Top Morning Casino and released on Monday. The company surveyed 1,000 British moms, finding that 7.8% admitted lying, admitted to lying over the biological lineage of their children. Quote, we were shocked. A rep for Top Morning Casino said on their website of the poll results. This means there are potentially 2.1 million couples in the UK where the father isn't the biological one. An identical study of American mothers has not been conducted, but frequent polls about paternal identity have taken place over the years with varying results. An Australian documentary series, Who's Your Daddy?, released in 2014, reference reports that up to 30% of paternities are misattributed. I have to be honest. I I just can't believe this. I can't believe If you were going to tell me it's one out of 25, one out of 30, one out of 40, sure, I can believe that. But whether it's the U.K., whether it's Australia or the United States, Are you really going to tell me that one out of 10 women don't know who fathered their child? Please. I don't buy it. I don't buy it in the least. 800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. In that Australia documentary, sociologist Michael Gilding said shocking statistics began circulating in the UK media during the 70s, but they were never backed up by adequate research. I think that's the case here. Meanwhile, a 2005 study by the Journal of Epidemiology and Community Health estimated that 4% of American fathers were raising a child that they did not know, that, that they did not know was not biologically their own. I mean, I feel so bad for those people. So bad. I was talking with, um, Lydia Serrani, who was filling in for Greg Kelly yesterday and who was the co-host of the Cats at Night show. And she told me she didn't disclose. She didn't disclose who this was, but she told me that someone who works with us, she didn't tell me who it was, told her that they found out their grandfather wasn't their biological grandfather due to an ancestry test. But both her grandparents were already dead. So I don't know. I I said to her, maybe the grandfather knew and he raised the child anyway. Maybe that's a, a mensch, right? But according to her, uh, I mean, we went back and forth about whether the grandfather knew and whatever the case may be. So I am curious if you buy this. Do one out of ten mothers really not know who fathered their children? Come on. There's no way it can be that high. Unless I'm just being naive. 800-848-9222. And, you know, we had that guy who called in the other day who confessed to basically finding, what was it, $10,000, $16,000, and keeping it. He didn't even think of turning it in. And somebody suggested, I think it was our friend John Scandalios in the Facebook group, somebody suggested we should do a regular segment of 
Confessions to Frank. And uh, while I am not a priest, I am a minister in the Universal Life Church. You know, if you want to even call me the Reverend Frank Morano, when you call, that's fine, too. You know, you can call in and say, oh, you know, good morning, Reverend. You know, um, uh, how are you? or Whatever you want to say. But if you want to confess to me that you are in a relationship or you were in a relationship with someone who you told was the father of your child, but they weren't, I'd love to hear from you. And we will preserve your anonymity. 800-848-WABC. Or, on the other hand, if you were in a position, and this is a much sadder situation, it would break my heart if this was me, if you were in a situation where you came to find out that somebody that you believed was your child and your guy was not actually your child biologically, I'd love to hear from you on that front as well. 800-848-9222. By the way, this does go hand-in-hand with this DNA subject that we covered yesterday. All these callers called yesterday, and they all lit me up. They all said, well, I don't want to protect my relative if he's a criminal. I was deluged with email since yesterday. People didn't want to call. They didn't want to be heard. They wanted me to know, Frank, you're absolutely right. I'm not giving away my DNA for that very reason. So don't assume that the audience is as eager to turn on their relatives as they sounded yesterday. A lot of people out there that don't want their relatives turned over to the authorities. 800-848-9222. One in ten mothers isn't sure who fathered their baby in the U.K. I don't believe it. Do you? 800-848-9222. Let me begin with somebody who's got a lot of experience in the U.K., Carol in New Jersey. Hello, Carol. Hi there, Frank. I agree with you. I don't believe that either. It's more like one in 25 or maybe one in 30. That's but that's what I think. I, yeah, but I'm going to tell you something. When I was eight years old, my father's brother-in-law told me, well, he told my sister, but she was so much younger than me. I don't think she understood. He said that my father was not really my father. You're kidding. Yeah, well, he was drunk. So maybe that had something to do with it. But can you believe that somebody would say something like that to a child? That's terrible. That's terrible. It's funny. My friend Jean Jean found out that uh, one of her parents, I think it was her father, Her, the person she grew up believing was her biological father wasn't Mm -hmm. actually. So it can be a very... Um, traumatic experience for, for some people. 800-848-WABC. Audrey is in Brooklyn. Hello, Audrey. Thank you, Frank. First of all, I almost forgot why I was calling because you are so freaking funny. But um, first you. of all, thank you for your guest. The doctor, I caught, I didn't catch his name, but thank you for having someone on that actually no one's going to badger and call him a fake, fake doctor. But great information. But I was wondering, why didn't he mention taking the PCR test because asymptomatic to me is dangerous, don't you? Well, I, um, I, you know, wait. So why did he not mention taking the PCR test? I know you can't answer that. You're not a doctor, but I was just wondering. But um, yeah, because asymptomatic could be serious and not serious. But here's my thing: I am invited to a very exclusive party on the twenty eighth. Not really. I want to go, but I, I live with my mom. But the twenty eighth was yesterday. 
No, you know what I mean. I had a glass of wine Thursday. Ah. Thursday evening. Forgive me, please. Was that my party? No, you didn't send me one. They left me at the door. No, oh, okay. sorry. <laughs> I was at a good time. But I want to go. But I'm skeptical because of the changes. When they change the the, the, the days of uh, the city. Oh, no, you can come back to work after five days. That left me sort of, uh, what are they not telling us? It, I mean, I understand they're still testing, but is it safe? I had booster. My mom's 91, and I, I don't like the asymptomatic thing, and I don't want to. Uh, I don't know what to do. Help. What would you do? Well, look, uh, you you said you're vaccinated and boosted. Yes, but my mom's is not boosted. Uh, well, so I would I would get her boosted. I would get her boosted. You have an appointment. It's on the third of, of January. I see. Yeah, I I don't know how I would play that. I would feel terrible if I told you to go to the party and then uh, and then no. you got your mom sick. Uh, but look, I, I am skeptical of this asymptomatic spread, uh, Audrey. And it it sounded like Dr. Bhattacharya was. <laughs> Somewhat skeptical as well. But whatever you do, I hope you have a fun time. And uh, this is going to be my final show of uh, of the year. So I appreciate you calling in. It's been great talking with you throughout the year. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Charlie is in Bayside. Hello, Charlie. Hello, Frankie. How's my favorite Gavon? I'm hanging in there. It's been a long time. I was the guy who called a couple of times. We talked about Nolan Ryan. Anyway, um, I'm a, I'm a retired Marine, retired sanitation worker in New York. And I've been, this station has opened my mind. I'm telling you, people need to turn the TVs off. There is no good information. You guys, from day, morning till night, know what you're talking about. And I'll tell you what, we need to start, all, all these doctors and so-called experts, all they are is analytic guys. They don't talk. Whatever they talk about, it's all about numbers, and they keep scaring us to death, and they they keep tripping over their own lies, every one of them. It's all a whole bunch of nonsense. We need to get out there and get the – this is going to sound crazy, but listen, you can't avoid you – can, you can avoid having a car accident by never driving, but then your life is going to stink. We need to get the herd immunity going – I want to. I'm boost. I'm not even boosted. I'm vaccinated only because I wanted to enjoy my life. And the government was shutting me out of everywhere right. I want to go, an airplane, a restaurant, whatever. People need to stop getting paranoid and letting these mongers paranoid us out. It's ridiculous. Get these tests. These poor people that are standing in line for what? Go to the party. Wear the mask. Okay, even though they don't work, wear the mask. Get the booster later. Go to the party. Do what you got to do. Well, yeah, Charlie, I mean, that's pretty much where, Charlie, again, again, that's pretty much where I come down with a couple of notable exceptions. One, I think it's important to be vaccinated. Uh, I think if you're looking at the people that are being hospitalized with this variant, it's unvaccinated people. Number two, um, you could say masks don't work. The data shows that something like an N95 mask or a KN95 mask, they do work. They do work in terms of reducing transmission. My view is if you do not have preconditions, then you should, as Dr. Bhattacharya said, live your life. Live your life. If you don't have symptoms, I don't think you should stay home from work. Certainly don't think you should stay home from school. But 
Talk to your doctor, I guess. That's the advice I always give to people. 800-848-9222, especially if you want to comment on this story, which shows one in ten women don't know who the true father of their child is. I find this too bizarre to believe. What do you think? 800-848-9222. Sampa is in Brooklyn. Hello, Sampa. Nah, it's Santa. Santa from Brooklyn. It's what from Brooklyn? Santa. Santa. Spell that for me. S-A-N-T-E. S-A-N-T-E. T-A-T-A. Santa, like Santa Claus? Yes, sir. Okay, all right. The Molly's following the Ryan tradition, but uh, I think she had a tougher time with your name. Okay, go ahead, Santa. It's all good. We've actually talked on on your show a couple of times before. Listen, um, I absolutely believe it um, that these uh, women don't know who is the father of their children. Um, now, I'm, I'm married, two girls, and, you know, and another one on the way. Uh, but I see, I see these young women around. I mean, I, it doesn't surprise me. The only problem I have with that um, article is it, it is probably like, you know, maybe I would, if it's like millennials for the most part, because uh, not, not, not all of them, but a lot of, a lot of these ladies, uh, man, they, they're wild, friends. They're wild. So I, I'm not surprised. I believe it. I 100% believe it. I, I have a tough – Santa, thank you. And I know this is your busy time of year. I appreciate you taking the time to call. I don't believe it. I mean, look, I could understand women being promiscuous. I could understand uh, them – it's not right, but I can understand them allowing another man to pay for or raise their child. I cannot understand 10%, one out of every 10 mothers, not knowing who fathered their children. No. Now, again, it says this this poll was conducted by a casino organization, Top Casino. So maybe they took this poll inside of a casino somewhere. Maybe they're saying that, one out of every ten women that go to a casino don't know who their father, who the father of their child is. I would find that hard to believe as well, but not as hard to believe as the general population. Stan is in Rockland County. Hello, Stan. Hey, good morning, Frank. Good morning. Um, I, I just want to digress going backwards just a little bit on the previous topic uh, when the good doctor was on. You know, I, I this is, yeah, it might be my personal opinion, but I just wanted to call attention um, to what I think is, a, you know, a little bit more than hypocrisy when we talk about harming children. You know, I, in my personal opinion, I think where we've weaponized uh, and played on the fears of uh, of public sentiment when it comes to children uh, being harmed as regards to schools being closed. Um, you know, if we're going to say that we're harming children by keeping them home and having them do virtual school, then on then you cannot in good conscience say that homeschooling is not akin to child abuse. And it's not. It's it's perfectly legal. It's allowed. It's not child abuse. But yet now we're going to say we're keeping people home. And so but that is child abuse because it's harming. It's harming the psyche of children. I mean, it's I, I, I've got to throw down the BS card on this. And I think really what's happening is, is that. You know, we're saying that it's harming children because public sentiment says, oh, my God, we can't harm children uh, versus uh, parents saying, well, 
schools can't be closed because I can't go to work and public sentiment wouldn't be in their favor. So we're going to say it's harming children. I'm sorry. I have to call hypocrisy. All right. Well, hey, you, you played the hypocrisy card. And uh, once somebody plays the hypocrisy card, you win. You automatically win. Once somebody calls hypocrisy, that's it. Game over. They win. I um, look. Stan brings up a lot of good points. Uh, if if homeschooling and remote schooling is child abuse, is everybody that is homeschooling their child committing child abuse? I don't think so. Um, that being said, if you have a choice of remote learning versus kids in school, in my opinion, the, and again, I'm not an educator, and until a month and a day ago, I wasn't a parent. But in my view, the far better option is having kids in school. For a host of reasons. One, Stan mentioned, the parents then become babysitters. Two, it's very difficult for the teachers to monitor remotely the children's work. Uh, four, we've seen a tremendous reduction in the number of child abuse report ca- re- cases reported. Now, is that because child uh, children abuse children's children are no longer being abused? No. It's because a lot of those instances of child abuse are detected by teachers in school. That's not happening. You're also seeing a level of interpersonal interaction among these children that's not happening these days. Uh, Now, I know a lot of people in this audience are very big believers in homeschool. I have friends that are big believers in homeschool. I am not. Uh, I've had, uh, I have some family that has been homeschooled and I, they're great people, but I really think they would have been better off and had a much easier time in their youth had they not been homeschooled. And these are people that led very sociable lives, very active in sports, very active in the church. And still, they, I believe, were uh, denied the full, well-rounded school scholastic appearance. But, you know, it stands right. Stan's right. If you're going to call remote learning child abuse, then homeschooling's child abuse. They, there you have it. He's got the, he played the hypocrisy card. Game over. That means we have to switch subjects. Hey, did you listen to uh, Lydia Serrani filling in for Greg Kelly yesterday? She did a great job, but there was was <laughs> one instance that I thought was pretty pretty funny, and a number of you noticed this as well. And I'm sure she noticed it. Mark Gastineau, who is a former former football player, he was the uh, he was a, he played for the Jets. He was a defensive end for the Jets, five time Pro Bowler, and the ex husband of Lisa Gastineau. He called into Lydia's show yesterday, or Mark, uh, Greg Kelly's show, hosted by Lydia. I don't know if he was drunk or. Something else here. And I don't know if he just happened to call in or if he was scheduled to call in. But here's a little bit of what transpired. You tell me what you think. Uh, let's go to uh, Mark from New Jersey. Hello. Hey, Mark. You're live with Lydia. In for Greg Kelly. Hey, Lydia. How are you doing? I'm good. I, uh, okay. I'm going to just say one second. I used to play for the Jets, number 99 for the New York Jets, but that's it. That's all I'm going to say on me. What I want to say is, it's like, you know, these transgenders, which are women, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that to you, okay? Or not to you, but, you know, to the uh, listening audience. And to the women that have been swimming all of their lives. Is this Mark Gastineau? Yeah. 
Wow, yeah. it is Mark Astineau. Oh, okay, so good. You're a fan. So, okay, of the show of uh, WABC. Okay, so keep going. So you're an athlete, clearly. So you know what's going on here. Uh, keep going. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm going to do a correlation. Okay, between uh, like golfers. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you uh, you have. Um, what am I trying to say? The um, you know when you have. You know when you when you tee off, but I mean, you know, you have like certain stroke. I mean, a, a, somebody that's going to golf, like if I'm going to golf against Tiger Woods, I'm not going to sit on the same tee as him. I'm gonna I'm gonna like be moved up to the uh, to the advanced tee, right? Right. Because you know, it's just like, hey, listen, people have been swimming. Women have been swimming all their lives, and all of a sudden, these people come in here and they haven't been swimming. You know, but for a few years, and now they're 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 winning all these you know these meets. You know, I think that they should get kind of a like what do you, what do you call it in golf when you get uh, a few stroke advantage uh, handicap? What is it called? I have no idea. I never I don't play golf. Does, do you know Bob Brown? Do you know what uh, when you get a bunch of tees off in a row? What that what's that called? Yeah, handicap. Handicap. handicap okay. So they should handicap. Uh, the women, they should let the women, you know, since, you know, at least start, at least give them a little bit of an advance, okay, uh, and give kind of a handicap, some kind of a handicap, uh, head start, and then let them, let them figure it out to where it's competitive, you know, yeah, I agree. I agree. Thank you so much, Mark Gastineau, for calling in. And uh, I was just looking you up. I, of course, I know who you are. And uh, you were a player for the New York Jets from 1979 to 1988, a five-time pro bowler. And, yeah, I thought you lived in L.A. That's why I was surprised. Oh, no, no, no. I'd never go there. <laughs> but uh, the thing that I'd like to do is say congratulations to Greg Kelly on his, on his two little daughters and his wife and everything. It's so nice. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much, Mark, for calling in. That was nice. So, Mark Gastineau, pretty cool. He happens to be listening and he calls in. Um, we encourage any celebrities that are listening to us right now to do that same thing. Two, do you think he was drunk? I've been drunk before, once or twice, and the guy sounded a little buzzed to me. Or is it something else? Sometimes people just aren't good on the spot talking extemporaneously. What do you think? I was going to say he did sound like there was something going on, but he did get hit in the head a lot. He did. So that's true. That's true. It could be something. Well, that's what I – and you know what? The thing is, it was 2.30 in the afternoon. Most people, unless you have super odd hours like I do – are they getting drunk? That drunk at two thirty in the in the afternoon? And would you be in a position unless you're drinking at home? Would you be in a position to get drunk and then call into a radio show? Usually, you figure you know you're you're at drunk. You're getting drunk at lunch, maybe do the three martini lunch, which Gerald Ford called the epitome of American efficiency. And then I don't know. You take an afternoon nap. You don't generally wait on hold to go on on the talk radio show. I don't know. Uh, tell me what you think. 800-848-9222. I'll tell you what it sounds like Mark Gastineau could use a little bit of, and that's Life Change Tea. Life Change Tea is a great product at GetTheTea.com, and it's a feel-good product. Life Change Tea is a gentle daily cleanse that tastes great and 
gives you a ton of energy without caffeine. It's all natural, non-GMO. One package lasts you a whole month, and it's endorsed by Joe from Ronkonkoma. Joe from Ronkonkoma said the same thing that I did, that, uh, you know, when you don't try it, when you don't take it for a day, you notice. You notice it's a lot more difficult to uh, <clears throat> stay regular. So try this product. You'll like it. Go to getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com and use the promo code FRANK. If you do that, you'll get to enjoy some free shipping and uh, while you're there, check out all their other great products designed for your optimum health. Don't miss out. Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com. It is the tea that makes you go. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. Side of midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. So a few minutes ago, I played a piece of audio from Mark Gastineau calling into Greg Kelly's show with uh, Lydia Serrano yesterday, and I said uh, that I thought it sounded like Mark Gastineau was drunk. So I got this email just a moment ago saying, "Hi, you know Mark Gastineau has Alzheimer's." So for, for starters, no, I didn't know that. Second, I go and look that up. Apparently, that's true. Uh, four years ago. Gastineau revealed that he had been diagnosed with dementia, Parkinson's disease, and Alzheimer's disease in the previous year. He said he believed those illnesses, to Matt Blaze's point, could be traced back to football, saying he wanted to teach younger players how to play the game safely. He blames the brain diseases on poor tackling technique. Uh, For starters, one, I had no idea about that. So I didn't, uh, I, I would never try, I would never mock someone, celebrity or not, that's battling uh, Alzheimer's disease, dementia, or Parkinson's disease. I've known people with all those ailments, including a family, a very close family member, my uncle Carmine, who my son is in part named for, who had Parkinson's, and it was, you know, it was horrible. It was devastating watching him degrade, a uh, guy that was larger than life to me. Uh, so, two, I do think. Both Matt Blaze and Mark Gassineau may be right in that this could be due to getting hit in the head too often. I spoke with Peter McNeely, who was a boxer. It's about four or five years ago. Uh, he was a boxer. He fought Tyson. Tyson's first fight out of jail, out of prison, was with Peter McNeely. And um, it, Peter McNeely. You know, was a regular street guy, but, you know, kind of a not, never a world class fighter, but a good fighter, good fighter. And I spoke with him and it sounded like he was drunk when I spoke to him. And that was from getting hit in the head. No question about it. And that was one of the saddest interviews that I'd ever conducted. And it really caused me to reevaluate my fandom for boxing. Additionally, 
another person that I always enjoy talking to, in fact, I almost invited him on today to talk about John Madden, was uh, Fred Dreyer. Fred Dreyer was a football player. He was an actor. He was on Cheers. He was on Hunter. Great actor, great football player, played for the Giants. And Fred Dreyer has been saying for years, and I think Donald Trump, who was a football owner himself, not in the NFL, but in the uh, USFL, he, Fred Dreyer's been telling me for years that part of the problem is young people today don't know how to tackle properly in football. And that is part of what uh, Gastineau was saying contributed to his head, head injuries over the years. So I apologize. I don't want to uh, I don't want to make light of somebody that might be dealing with a, uh, a serious brain injury. 800-848-WABC. Donna is in Huntington. Hello, Donna. Hi, how are you? Good. Anyway, I just wanted to bring up this subject um, that you brought up about women, 10% of women not knowing who the father is. Yeah, of their do, you, do you buy that? Is. Do you buy that? Well, I don't, I'm not sure about the percentage, but I do know back when I was 18, 19, I know these two girls that I went to school with who I guess you could say they were kind of promiscuous, whatever, mm-hmm. that had, you know, one night stand, two night stand, three night stand whatever. And they both got pregnant. They both have no idea who the father is. They know the first name of the guy. They don't know who they are, where they are or anything else. And they did have the children. They did not terminate. (laughs) So I do know that it has, I do know that it does go on. I don't know what the, I know it goes on too. My, my questioning is, is it so common that it's one out of every 10 mothers. I'd be very skeptical if that were the case. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you're right. I don't know if it's that high, but I mean, <laughs> who knows? But I'm just like, when you brought that subject up, I was thinking how I I remember knowing two women that that happened to. Well, hey, who know, maybe maybe based on what you're saying, Donna, maybe maybe this is a true number. Maybe this is more common than I realize. Right, and I'm sure liquor, alcohol has plays a role in it. Let's face it. But here's what I don't understand: if you're these you're these women, and again, I'm not judging anybody. I'm the last person that's right. Judge Neither anybody. am I. Yeah. But why, if you're somebody that uh, you you know whether you like doing that sort of a thing, right? Why wouldn't you be on birth control? I don't. I have no idea. I, I can't answer that. I mean, question. look, I guess thank goodness for the case of their children that they weren't because they, they raised two two children. And who knows? Those children could have gone on to do great things, I suppose. Right. But I, I the only answer I could say about that is, I guess, they were irresponsible. <laughs> well, I would say so. Hey, uh, Donna, thank you very much for the call. Happy New Year. All right. You too. Thank you. Thank you. I got another email here wanting to clarify something that I said earlier did is today in fact the last show I'm doing of the year answer yes I will not be here Thursday today is Wednesday right I will not be here Thursday I will not be here Friday instead uh, Matt Blaze and Molly have curated a delightful eight hours of the best of the other side of midnight so you're in for a treat you will will spare you from Curtis They're figuring 12 hours of the broadcasting day is sufficient for Curtis. He doesn't need all 24. So there's that. And let me say hello to Pam in Brooklyn. Good morning, Pam. 
Yes, hi, Frank. I, actually, I was going to hang up because um, that email you got earlier about Mark Gaston will answer the question. But um, I heard him on another program a few years ago called into someone, I forget what program it was, and he did mention um, his illnesses, which are the illnesses that that um, email that was sent to you mentioned. And I, I know that you never would have uh, said anything about um, drinking or anything if you knew about it. So I know you didn't know about it. No, 100 percent. I, I would never to, do that. I no, never do I, that. I know. I just wanted to, you know, mention that. Well, thank you, Pam. I appreciate that. 800-848-WABC. Let me say hello to uh, Chris in Bethpage. Hello, Chris. Hey, Frank. A couple things while I was on hold. It's funny. I was on hold with Lydia from about 2 o'clock to almost – I was one of the last calls she took at 3 o'clock. So I was on hold. Let me tell you about this. Uh, You should be interested because you're in radio, obviously. Am I? I'm on hold. I listened to two of that guy, uh, Go Buchanan, Go Buchanan. He was on twice during the time I was on hold. So that's one thing I kind of got to throw out to your station. And I've mentioned this on your fan page. My name's Chris McGuinn, by the way. Um, I'm on your fan page. And I've thrown out these comments, and I take all flack from your listeners on the page because I complain about this. I complain about him getting through all the time and you know people are on hold and Lydia had about two seconds for my call and one of the reasons I'm thinking is she you know this go Buchanan go Buchanan guy gets through all the time with the same thing about the borders and you know I found it you know to be I I just label it disrespectful that what the guy does some people find him comical and they tell me to just lighten up and this and that but uh, I think it's an issue and I think it's kind of rude to people that wait on hold that this guy gets through twice, and I'm listening to him as he's getting through, and I'm like, I, I know his voice right away. I, I, well, so do I. And if you know it, well, yeah. first of all, that's why he doesn't do it to me. He calls us Steve from Manhattan, right. except in the 15 seconds of fame. That is Steve from Manhattan. I, I do find right. it mildly amusing, and I played for him when, um, you know, he called Rudy Giuliani one time, and he did an, an endorsement for himself, and he said to Rudy Giuliani, you know, the guy that was really right about all this stuff was Steve from Manhattan, and I right. I, I thought that was a, a little ridiculous, um, but I agree with you. I mean, part of the problem is, uh, uh, other than Curtis and me, I think most of the other hosts don't listen to much of the station. Again, nothing against them, but I think many of them, many of them don't, don't know the voices. And even if the host knows them, a lot of the, a lot of the call screeners, uh, don't necessarily know a lot of the callers' voices. Well, can I, right. can, I, but can, I can I just say one thing? And this, this is like, you know, inside baseball, but I've called FAN for years. And what happens is they have my, they don't even say, who is this? They know my name because they have my, uh, you know, I guess he's using a lot of different phones. I guess he's very good. I mean, look, he's worked at this for 30 years, you know, so he's very good. He's got a lot of different methods. Chris, thanks for the call. Matt, what did you want to add? I was going to say that um, he calls multiple times. He disguises his voice. Yeah. He says he's from different places. And also he might have gotten through two times. But he might have called 10 there, times. Yeah. Well, you know, and the other guy that does that is the uh, Irishman from the Bronx or Paul from the Bronx, the guy who uh, says uh, Janine Pirro is a criminal and a fraud and go to uh, Twisted Justice at CNN.org and uh, uh, the, the, he, she sent an innocent New York City cop to jail. I hear that guy's voice in my sleep. 
um, saying the same thing. And again, um, it's made me less sympathetic to his cause. There is no better, there is no greater defender on radio of the downtrodden and the incarcerated than me. I am the number one friend. You know how I Love Lucy used to have the, the friends to the friendless? I am the number one friend to the imprisoned on the radio. And that guy has so annoyed me by calling off topic so many times that now I hope that guy is in prison wrongfully. And again, I hate to say that, but he's made me less sympathetic to his cause because he's so annoying. The guys that I really like to help are the guys that aren't annoying. There's a lot to be said for people that aren't annoying. I mean, really, it goes light years. It goes light years, not being not being annoying. 800-848-WABC. Let me say hello to Frank in Glendale. Hello, Frank. I hope I'm not too annoying. Listen, not you got a terrific program tonight. I really enjoyed the doctor, and I hope I don't sound too drunk. The reason I called <laughs> was about Mark Gastonow. Yeah. Look, we can't all be that way. I mean, he was a great basket, uh, basketball. See, I, I'm drunk. Uh, he, he was a great uh, football player, and uh, he got rattled, man. You know, his brains uh, <clears throat> uh, over the years uh, took a beating. So, you know, he's got that speech impediment. What can I tell you? Yeah, well, you're right. You're, you're right about that, Frank. Thank you very, very much. Joe is in Ron Konkama. Hello, Joe. I call for two reasons. One, to wish you a very happy new year to you and your family. I am a big, big Jets fan, and I know I cry a lot, Frank, but uh, I met uh, Mark Gastineau twice. I have his autograph. I, I got pictures of me standing next to him. I look like a little kid. Um, he, he actually, before he starts doing autographs, he exclaims, and it's not your fault, so how would you know? Because I thought there was something wrong with him also, but the guy I go with told me, just be prepared. He does this thing, Mark Gastineau, that is awesome. He'll be talking to you like I'm talking to you now, and then he'll jump up. And he's always with his wife or somebody to keep him on task and on focus. He'll start screaming, let's go, Jets. He'll jump up. He's scared the you-know-what out of me, Frank. But when I tell you, a man of the faith, he loves God. He'll tell you a great, um, a very funny, a very funny guy. And... Uh, he was just—I was shocked how big he was because both of my hands were able to fit into one of his hands. Again, a very happy New Year to all your listeners, and a very happy New Year to Mark uh, Mark Gastineau. Hopefully, he's doing well. Well, absolutely, uh, Joe. I uh, echo your sentiment on everything you just said. Happy New Year to you as well. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Steve is in Central New Jersey. Hello, Steve. Hi, Mark. Thanks for taking, uh, excuse me, Frank, thanks for taking my call. Frank, look, I was listening when Mark Gastineau called the earlier show. Matter of fact, I was a few callers afterwards, right? I quickly called your your show to alert the call screen. I think he had a disability, and I, I think somebody checked after I called. That's okay. All right, but okay. I think um, it's unfortunate you missed two aspects of his call. He seemed to be calling as a regular caller. He wasn't seeking any special attention. Number one, you seem to miss the, the point of his call, which is that he believed in the context of transgenders participating in female sports, particularly swimming, ha- give a handicap to give to level the playing field for the female athletes. All right, so you seem to miss that, number one. Number two. All right, no, I, guy, I didn't I, miss it. I didn't miss it. It's just not what we're talking about right now. All right. Okay. Number two, I think it's ridiculous to compare 
people who feel they're believe they're qualified to homeschool their children right, and make a personal decision to do that, as opposed to people who aren't, who have to work, and who want to avail themselves of the public school system that they're paying for and are forced yeah, to I, have again, their children. I'm all for in-person learning, Steve. I, I don't know how I can be any clearer with that. All right, let me be very – again, I'm sorry I, ha I haven't changed the batteries in my megaphone. I didn't think it was a subtle point that I was making, right? I think kids should be in school. I, I, yeah, I don't know how to be much more clear than that. I, I will scream that from the rooftop. If I were the mayor, that would be the case. I'm glad Mayor de Blasio and Mayor Adams and Governor Hochul all seem to believe that's the case. I think Jamani Williams, and uh, you know, who's called for suspension of, um, you know, uh, of this rule of kids in school. I think Jamani Williams is out to lunch on this one. And, and again, I, I don't think it's child abuse. Uh, if you're homeschooling a child, I think it's a choice parents make. But I, I don't think we should so be so quick to say remote learning is child abuse either. Okay. Can we move on? Everybody clear on that, on my position? 800-848-9222. Uh, that's uh, 8 Four eight nine two two two, and uh, we will be taking your calls for the rest of the program. By the way, we lost uh, John Madden yesterday. Very very sad. And Senator Harry Reid. We will get into both of those things, and uh, a wide variety of other subjects still to come. In the meantime, speaking of Greg Kelly. You know what the most interesting thing about Greg Kelly is, as far as I can see? How thin he is. How much weight the, this guy has lost. The guy looks great. The guy looks as svelte now as he did when he was in the Marine Corps. The guy looks wonderful. So I am looking the opposite of wonderful. I am looking uh, like, um, you, you know the, the kid that gets stuck in the tube in uh, Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory? I look like his fatter, older brother at the moment, and uh, I am having a tough time finding clothing that fits me. My wife gave me a Christmas gift yesterday. It arrived late, and she gave me this beautiful new smoking jacket, and I I tried it on, and I'm sure I was afraid to look at the size because I'm sure it's big enough, like it was like tailor-made for Chris Christie or something. It barely fit me, barely. And if you ever needed a wake-up call, that was it. So I'll tell you what I'm going to be doing. Uh, after the first of the year, I'm going to be running to the Skinny Center in Westchester County. Mitch Suss is the brains behind the Skinny Center. They have a whole comprehensive process to help you lose weight. So they'll do comprehensive lab testing, which pinpoints abnormalities in your body chemistry, uh, the reasons you overeat, the reasons you crave sugar, the reasons you're always hungry. And uh, if you're interested in losing weight like Greg Kelly and I are, am, you can call them as well at 914-703-4811. That's 914-703-4811. Or you can go to theskinnycenter.com. That's theskinnycenter.com, S-K-I-N-N-Y, center.com. They're never going to catch you, Frank. W-A-B-C. 
Led Zeppelin. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. So I was on the fence about whether to do this, uh, but we're going to do it. You know, on Fridays, we usually do Ask Frank Anything, which has become quite a popular segment, actually, much more so than uh, I expected. I have no idea why people want to know my answers to anything. I have no idea why anybody thinks that I know anything. I probably don't. But uh, since there's going to be no Friday show, I was wondering, should we do it today? Should we not do it today? And then Dr. Jay Bhattacharya said he was only available in the 1 o'clock hour. So initially I said, all right, so we'll skip it today. We won't do it this week. People will be questionless. But then I thought, well, wait a minute. There's a lot of people that listen to the show starting at 2 or 3 o'clock rather than 1. Maybe we'll do it a little later. So I'll tell you what we're going to do next hour. We're going to do a special Wednesday mid-show edition of Ask Frank Anything. So if you have questions on any subject, you can call in uh, next hour at 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. All right. Uh, there were a couple of celebrity – I hate to use the term – you know, celebrity death sounds so trivial, but I guess that's what they were. A couple of well-known people who passed away. One of them was Senator Harry Reid, the longtime majority leader of the U.S. Senate, Nevada Democrat – I believe the longest serving member of Congress from Nevada ever and uh, an interesting guy who had been in poor health for the last couple of years. He was diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer about three years ago. He was once an amateur boxer. Um, He was quite a partisan warrior. He was very proud to be a Democrat. He really relished doing political battle with the other side. A smart guy. Uh, an articulate guy, a guy that understood the levels of power better than most. A lot of times when we discuss politics, it so often comes down to pie-in-the-sky beliefs in this or that. Harry Reid actually was very skilled at the art of politics and understanding the lever- levers of powers. He was an insider's insider. He had a lot of political skill and a lot of legislative skill. He was not he, one of my favorite politicians when he was in office. To me, I didn't like that he was an insider's insider. And again, he could have been the best guy in the world, as far as I know. Uh, I n- never got to meet him on a personal level, don't know anything about him. I never liked that kind of inside-the-beltway brand of doing politics. But, and, you know, the character of Dick Smothers in Casino, the head of the Casino uh, Control Commission there, that committee that gives Robert De Niro's character a hard time, that was a real guy, and Robert De Niro's character is a real guy. That's based on Harry Reid. The Dick Smothers character was based in the Nicholas Pileggi script on Harry Reid. So it's not to say that he did everything the Dick Smothers character did. Harry Reid was a Mormon, so I doubt that he was uh, drinking and doing cocaine as much as that Dick Smothers character was. However, one of the things that I do want to give Harry Reid credit for. Harry Reid, from the time that he was in the Senate until literally the day he died, was one of the most articulate and vocal proponents in the whole world for UFO disclosure. When he was in the Senate, well, in fact, I'm going to let him describe what he did when he was in the Senate. This is an interview from May of 2020 when Senator Reid retired at this point, 
was on with John Katsimatidis. They spoke a little bit about Area 51 and the UFO disclosure movement. Now, all of a sudden, Senator, the Department of Defense, uh, the Navy uh, uh, is releasing uh, videos of uh, unidentified flying objects. And uh, the Department of Defense is saying, yes, they are there. Well, what do you think is there? Well, I've looked at this issue for quite some time. I uh, became really interested when a man from the Defense Intelligence Agency, uh, someone that worked there, I got a letter from him. And um, actually, the letter was written to one of my friends, and my friend brought it to me. And uh, make the story somewhat short, I called him into my office. Well, that's really not true. He didn't want to come to my office. I didn't want to go to his, so I met him in my home. And here's what he said to me. He said, I'm a, I have a PhD in physics. He said, I know about rockets. I know how they develop. I know where they are now. I know what they're going to be in the future. But he said, I have been stunned by not understanding what is what all these unidentified flying objects are. And as a result of that, I looked into it very closely because I learned that people who have sighted these phenomenon are not in a handful, not a hundred of them, but thousands of people have seen these unidentified flying objects. And um, as a result of this, I went to Center Inouye from Hawaii and um, Stevens from Alaska and told them I wanted to do some work on it. I said, I said I don't believe in little green men, but I do believe that we, from a scientific perspective, need to find out what we can about these uh, phenomenon. And Ted Stevens, uh, these two men were headed, would, did the defense spending for the country and the Congress. He said, I've been wanting to do something about this since I was in the military during World War II. Said once I was up flying, and there was something off my left side. I would go up, down, try to maneuver, get rid of it. I could never get rid of it. I would go low on fuel, so I went and landed. I asked air traffic control, "What, what, what did you see? Uh, that was that object that was near me." He said, "We don't know what you're talking about. We didn't see anything." So he said, "Sure, I'm willing to provide some money," and we did twenty-two million dollars. We put it out to bid. And Pentagon did, and uh, we, I think, did some good work uh, trying to find out what this was all about. Did we get all the answers? No. But did we get some? The answer is yes. So Senator Reid was the funding architect of the UFO study, the Advanced Aerospace Weapon System, or the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. And he was a warrior on this. He got, as you heard, millions of dollars every year in funding from the Pentagon to investigate UFOs. And now this UFO legislation that we're seeing in the Senate now, in the Congress now, that was born from Harry Reid's work. And I'm always going to give him credit for that, always. And in that interview, when John talked with Harry Reid from May of 2020, John said, well, look, we've all seen Area 51 in the movie Independence Day. You represented Nevada, where Area 51 is. How realistic is that depiction of Area 51. When I first heard about Area 51, I heard about it from some uh, family um, who lived in Henderson, Nevada, and they had had a mine uh, in the family for many, many, many decades. They would go up there on weekends just to 
you know, get a place to get away and as a family and have a good time. And they went up there one weekend and they were there was armed security and a fence around their place that couldn't go in. So they contacted me and I learned that the reason that had happened is that from their viewpoint of the old abandoned mine, you could look down at Area 51 and they didn't want anyone looking at it. And so that actually is the first time I went to Area 51. And, um, you know, it was all classified at the time. But, of course, it's not anymore, the stuff I saw at that time. But at that time I saw, because it's public now, they had their some Soviet, a Soviet helicopter. They had, uh, anyway, things that they were working on studying. It was, of course, there and a place very close to there, the stealth fighter plane was developed. So, yeah, it was an important part of our national defense. So Harry Reid, literally until the day he died, made sure to – he was very clear about a couple of things on social media and in other conventional media appearances. One, he was very clear that the Pentagon and the intelligence community were not telling the public the truth about what they knew about UAPs or UFOs. And number two, he was an advocate for greater disclosure. And for that, I think uh, we all owe him a debt of gratitude. Uh, condolences to his family, to his friends, to his former colleagues, to everybody that worked with him. And uh, there you go. We'll talk a little bit about John Madden a little later. Next hour, ask Frank anything, your questions on any subject. 800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Until next hour. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. For those of you that listen to this program live, not on the podcast, and see, there are two types of people that listen live, right? Well, maybe there's three. There's my favorite type of person who listens to all four hours, no matter what they're doing. Maybe they're working. Maybe they're sleeping. Maybe they're trying to sleep. Maybe they're working at sleeping. But maybe they're listening at home. They listen all four hours. Those are the A-listers, A-listers. Then there's people that listen to the beginning of the show because they're staying up late. Then there's the third category of people that listen to the latter part of the show because they're getting up early. Well, this hour is for you. Every Friday morning at 1 o'clock, I answer your questions on any subject. You have questions about movies, television, books, business, radio, the business of radio, cocktails. You need advice on something. You want to know about my personal history, pro wrestling, gambling, Atlantic City, local politics, national politics, restaurants, New York, the criminal justice system, aliens, the mob. Any hypothetical questions? Baseball, the culture at large, relationships. You name it. We start every Friday program with that. Since there is not going to be a live program on Friday, I figured we might as well give it a try here. If people have questions, they can dial in now at 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC for a very special Wednesday edition of The Other Side of Midnight. Proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. And if people don't have any interesting questions, then 
I'll just move on. I have a ton of stuff that I want to get to. I have interesting things I want to comment on, stories I want to tell. Still to come, we'll do our least covered news stories of the year 2021. But as long as you have interesting questions, we'll stay with them. 1-800-848-WABC. What I like with these questions is diversity. 1-800-848-WABC. It's boring to get 20 questions in a row about pro wrestling. It's boring to get 20 questions in a row about politics. If you have a question, now's the time to ask it. 800 848 Nine two two two, and again, if it's a trivia question, that's really not fun. All right, um, well, who was the only? Uh, who was the first actor to play Tarzan? Well, Elmo Lincoln. Oh, okay, you know. So, I mean, where do we go from there? It's not much of a conversation starter. So, if you have questions, now's the time. Let's begin with Joe in Manhattan. Hello, Joe. Hi, Frank. You know, the question should be based on what you cannot easily find on the website mm-hmm. on the internet. Those are the types of questions that should be preferred. Now, here is my question. Uh, first, I'm going to make a guesstimate, you know, that you, Curtis, John Katsimidis, his wife, daughter, as well as Dominic and Lydia are the ones who basically quite regularly listen to WABC while the others don't have the opportunity or the time. Now, you yourself, if you don't mind, how many hours per week do you have the opportunity, the time to listen to WABC? Huh. Uh, that's a good and, question. Uh, I hope you enjoy your uh, days off, you Thank know, the you. few days you're getting And I wish you the best of the holidays also. Oh, you're very kind, and Joe. And your family. Uh, as well as Carmen. I, uh, I appreciate that, Joe. Thank you very much. So uh, how much do I listen to WABC? All right. Well, so I always listen as I'm driving home. That's about an hour. I always listen as I'm driving here. That's about an hour. And then I usually will listen about – I never miss the Cats at Night show uh, because there's always so much news made on that show. And I'll usually listen at least another hour or two as I'm working at home. So I'm going to say that's four hours a day during the week. So that's 20 hours during the week at least another two or three hours on the weekend. So I'll say I'm listening conservatively 23 hours a week uh, to, to the radio station. And I do flip around. I listen to other stations as well, but obviously we have the best programming, so I primarily listen to this one. 800-848-WABC, answering your questions on any subject. Let me say hello to Pete in Piscataway. It's that away. Hello, Pete. Hi, Frank. Uh, Frank, Star Trek question. What is your favorite, favorite Q episode? Ooh. Oh, the deep yeah, DS Nine's Voyager and and uh, original and um and uh, Next Generation. He was all three. So. Okay, well, it's a tie between two. I think I have to I have to say the the um the my favorite. I I think it's a tie between two. It's either uh, Q Who the episode where the Borg is first introduced. Or it's um, the uh, All Good Things, the last episode of The Next Generation, because I thought that for a last episode and for it being a good sequel uh, to the first episode was perfect. So I would say those are my top two. If I had to pick a a third one, it would be the episode where uh, Picard dies and he finds that Q is God. I found that episode very clever. But if I had to pick, it's a tie between Q Who, uh, written by Tracy Torme, by the way, Mel Torme's son, and uh, All Good Things, the last episode of The Next Generation. Oh, I like Death Wish from the Voyager one. Where uh, That's a good one. That's a good one. I like it, too. I like it, too. Uh, and uh, uh, the, it really causes you to question a lot of people's desire for immortality. That's a good one, too. But uh, thanks for the call, Pete. In my view, it does not compare to Q Who 
or all good things. 800-848-WABC. Diane is calling from the West Village. Hello, Diane. Hey, 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 Frank. I wanted to know what was the most exciting, exotic ice cream you've ever eaten? The most exciting, exotic ice cream I've ever eaten? That's a good question. Uh, I really, I don't know. I mean, I, I um, exciting and exotic. I used to, when Cold Stone first came to New York, I went to Cold Stone a few times, and they have some crazy ice cream flavors. Those were pretty interesting. Um I like, uh, I like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know that I have a pick for the most crazy or exotic ice cream I've ever eaten. Uh, I like cookie dough. It's pretty good. And, you know, you go to different places, they have different, uh, different flavors. Yeah, I like cookie dough, but, um, I'm not sure you'd call that crazy or exotic. Larry's in Brooklyn. What's your question, Larry? Yeah, I have a Godfather question. There's one thing about the Godfather that always bothered me. You know, the first scene where, the guy comes, before, you know, before Don Corleone and says his daughter was, was abused, was raped, and he wants to get revenge. And it's sort of like they portray the daughter as being this, you know, even-handed, justice-minded guy. At the same time, you know, he'll do justice for you if you're his friend. But we're left hanging as to what he would actually do to those guys, and we don't see what he did to those guys. So I'm wondering... Because he says, like, we're not murderers, but was that sarcastic? Did he really kill, did he have them killed, or did he just have them beaten up? Because that's justice. Yeah, I want to know what you think, what your opinion about Okay, that well, is. yeah, my opinion is they de- that uh, they definitely were not killed. Because when Bonacera, that's the character, when Bonacera leaves the room and uh, Don Corleone yeah. says to, uh, you know, says to the other people in the room, he says, you know, we're not, we're not murderers no matter what that undertaker thinks. Um, um, you know, I, yes. I, and he says something to the effect of, um, you know, uh, you, you know, give this to uh, give this to uh, I think he said give this to Clemenza or, uh, right. uh, you know, right. uh, and uh, some. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't get the impression that they were going to be killed at all. I mean, I think it was pretty clear to me the implication that they were going to be beaten up. OK, why, why is that not your impression, I guess? Well, I'll tell you why. Because this is my second part of my question. Because these guys, these these uh, mafia heads, I've never known one to be kind and, 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 you know, if they were about justice, they wouldn't be heads of mafia families. So is this fiction, or was there, was he based on a, a real character, maybe Carlo Gambino? Was Carlo Gambino a sympathetic guy, a gentle, easygoing guy? I mean, you know, that's why, because these mafia guys are not really that way. That's why I didn't believe it. I thought it was sarcastic. Well, first of all, so there are several real-life inspirations for Vito Corleone. You have Frank Costello, you have uh, Dro Profaci, and you have uh, Carlo Gambino. Carlo Gambino was largely known as being a quiet, non-flashy guy that was not uh, one to resort regularly to violence. And then, last, but but most importantly, Larry, to answer your your first sub question is, of course, it's fiction. It's a movie. And before that, it was a book. Of course, it's fiction. They can make these mafia characters into the most nonviolent or the most violent people in the world. It's not a documentary. No, nobody is sitting there saying, oh, well, Vito Corleone really wouldn't do that. No, it's their character. Mario Puzo and uh, Francis Ford Coppola, they created this guy. They can make him do whatever they want. So, no, I, those, those boys that beat up um, Buenos Aires' daughter were definitely not murdered. 
as far as I'm concerned. 800-848-WABC, answering your questions on any subject. One, two, three, four open lines. Whatever you have questions about, now's the time. 800-848-9222. Michael is on the Upper East Side. Hello, Michael. Yes. Um, Two questions, actually. One is, whatever happened to that guy that would call in from, I guess, Hollywood or somewhere in in California, the... uh, the uh, organized, former organized crime guy, because I can't say mafia. Whatever happened? He Wh- which one? Power. Which one? The guy, the the uh, the guy who was an actor. He acted with uh, Marlon Brando. Oh, oh, are you personally. talking about Johnny Russo? Whatever happened? Wait, is that who you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. That you've ever had. I don't know. So he came on with me about six or seven times, and then I asked him repeatedly uh, to come back. He said he was busy. He said he was busy, and then uh, I ran into him a couple of times, and uh, he said, "Well, you know, uh, I, you know, I'm not coming on, for, you know, for some." He had a, a weird reason about not wanting to come on. I think it had to do with his podcast being carried by iHeart, uh, and he oh. was concerned that it was on a different podcast. Casting platform, and I said, mm-hmm. "Well, that's silly." And then he went on with John Katzimatidis the day of the Columbus Day Parade, and then John told me that um, you know he spoke to him off air and uh, that he was going to come back. So I reached out to him again, and he didn't want to come mm-hmm. on. So as far as I'm concerned, that's it. I don't need to beg people to come on. I got a lot of people that want to be on this show. I got a lot of people begging me to come on this show. So I like Johnny Russo. I wish he would come back. Uh, I sent him a nice message on Christmas, wishing him a happy uh, and merry Christmas, and invited him to the party that. I'm throwing this week. I don't know if he's going to come. Ran into him in Atlantic City. We were joking around, hanging out. But I'm not going to beg anyone to be on this show. He wants to come back. He's welcome to. If he doesn't want to come on, that's fine, too. My The success or failure of this program will not depend on Johnny Russo's willingness to participate in it. I assure you of that. 800-848-9222, answering your question on any subject. Mike is in New Jersey. Hello, Mike. Good morning, Frank. Frank, I have a question maybe you can answer on on the get vaxxed commercials that they broadcast. Do they do the do the stations charge for those yes. or are they PSAs and what? they no. broadcast them? No, we we charge for everything. Uh, th- those commercials are 100 percent paid for. I believe those are by the Department of Health. OK, because it's a lot of commercials. They, they are indeed. They are spending a lot of money. On that, you well, better that's believe. Good. It. I hope you get a raise out of all that money. Well, <laughs> I am doing just fine. I have no complaints. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Answering your questions on any subject. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Let me say hello to Mark in New Jersey. Hello, Mark. Good morning, Frank. How are you? Looking great. Forward to oh, great. Oh, this is the Mark of New Year's Eve. Yes. Fame. Okay, great. Oh, that, I would have gotten <laughs> to you myself. sooner. Hello, Mark. Yes, no problem. My question is, I wonder how uh, long we're going to be driving around in petro cars, you know, fuel, gasoline, you know, versus all these electrics. I'm on the road a lot, but I see a lot of Teslas these days, you know. Yeah, it's a good question. If I were to guess, I'd say you're looking at about 30 years because while while they're st- they're trying to push everybody towards electric uh, cars and other alternative fuel cars, the 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 oil industry in this country still does have a lot of clout and I don't think they're going to mm-hmm. just watch that that whole sector of their consumer base disappear and I think they're going to do whatever they can to make these cars uh, affordable and competitive with 
with the electric vehicle. They're still a lot cheaper, and I suspect they will be for a long time. Until the electric vehicles are cheaper than um, most of the conventional cars, I don't see it replacing mm-hmm. petro cars uh, you know, within the next 30 years. I mean, do you disagree? No, I, 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 that's the number I have in my head. I have a classic Firebird that I got to restore, and I'm not going to restore it if I'm going to have to put a no. No, I don't think. I mean. You know, when, when I see you next, Mark, I, I got to give you my uncle's number. He's an expert in car restoration, and uh, even if you do it yourself, I'm sure you guys could compare notes on uh, on car restoration war stories. Totally. All right. Absolutely. I look forward to seeing right, you soon. Forward Mark. To seeing. Thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Answering your questions on any subject. Virginia is in Brooklyn. Hello, Virginia. Hi, how are you, Frank? No, it was the Bronx, but that's okay. Uh, congratulations on the baby, and please enjoy enjoy the baby every moment for the first year. Where did and Where the, did Molly get Brooklyn from? I don't know. I said Bronx real quick, maybe. I see. Okay, <laughs> but now did you say the Bronx or did you just say Bronx? I said. The Bronx, actually. <laughs> I see. Interesting. All right. Well, there's no excuse for that. Again, she's maintaining okay. the Ryan tradition. It's okay. And have a good, happy new year. What I wanted to ask was, you always advertise, get the tea. I did get the tea, hmm. but I haven't used it yet because on the back of the package, it talks about that it's better to get a two-gallon glass uh, uh, to brew. Do you do you brew it? I, I'm not sure. So here's, here's, here's what I do, Virginia. Here's what I do. I, uh, I, I boil about eight ounces of water in a pot, right? Then I throw two tea bags in those eight ounces of water and I let that pot uh, remain on my stove until it cools to room temperature. And then I take this, this eight ounce concentrate and I dump it in to a gallon jug, basically a gallon water jug. And I fill the rest of the water jug with water. And then I squeeze in a little lemon juice and stevia for flavor. So the water jug is not made out of glass? What, uh, no, well, no, you could use glass or you could use plastic, either, either one or anything, really. I mean, okay. the, the key, that's why I wait until it cools to room temperature before I pour it in there. Oh, because online they were selling it where you could brew it right in a glass, you know, in a glass like a coffee maker. I, I hadn't seen that, actually. And uh, if there is a better way of brewing it, I may have to look into that. Uh, but, uh, Virginia, try my method and then call back and report back with your review of it, okay? I will. Thank, Thank you, you, Virginia. Happy New Year. By the way, that's Virginia in the Bronx. Contrary to popular misconception, if you have not yet tried GetTheTea.com, I'd love to hear your reviews of it. LifeChangeTea at GetTheTea.com. Go to GetTheTea.com, order some of this great Life Change Tea, and let me know what you think about it. I think you're going to be very pleased. It's a gentle daily cleanse that tastes great and works to get things moving. So Life Change Tea is all natural, non-GMO, one package, will last you. An entire month. And if you use the promo code Frank when you order, you will get to enjoy free shipping anywhere in the United States. Get the tea.com promo code Frank. It is the tea that makes you go. We will continue with your questions next. There are one, two, three, four, five open lines if you have questions on any subject. Usually there are no openings. For questions. Um, I, uh, so now's a rare opportunity to get in here. 800 848 WABC, straight ahead. Frank, we have the power to. WABC. It's the 
Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. Midnight. I am Frank Morano. 800-848-9222. Answering your questions on any subject. Uh, I got an email here. And, you know, I've been meaning to comment on the finale of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I've avoided doing so because I wanted to give people an opportunity to see it. And I, I read something about the episode before I had seen it. And I didn't, um, I didn't, and and it was a little bit of a spoiler. It was something that I would have preferred not knowing. It didn't diminish my enjoyment of the season finale at all. But uh, I'm not going to repeat it here. I, I will give you the weekend for anybody that wants to catch up and hasn't seen the most recent Curb Enthusiasm because I don't want to give any even any mild spoilers away. I'll comment on that Monday. But um, Tom writes. Now that Curb Your Enthusiasm wound up its 11th season last Sunday, how would you rate its latest season compared to past ones? Any other comments about it? Best parts, best characters. I love <laughs> I love this season. But honestly, Curb Your Enthusiasm is just such a great show that I don't know that I could pick a season that I, that I disliked. I mean, to me, it is so incredibly great right i mean i find it just so so wonderful um that it's and to be honest the seasons kind of blend in for me one to the other i think it was phenomenal uh, can i i love the tracy allman character and i didn't even realize that was tracy allman until her second or third episode i thought she was brilliant I love a lot of the premise of it. I love uh, Ted Danson in this season in a smaller role, but he's great. Uh, I love Jeff Garland, and I hope he doesn't get me too off the show for the next season. Uh, I think the show is great. With that show, with this show, there are three seasons that really stand out for me. Uh, one, and I'm not talking about individual episodes because there's a lot of individual episodes that really stand out, like Palestinian Chicken. That's probably my favorite, but. The one episode, uh, the one season that I think is by far the best season of the show, and maybe it's because I'm such a big Seinfeld fan, is the episode where they do the Seinfeld, the uh, season where they do the Seinfeld reunion. Because a lot of us who are Seinfeld fans always wanted a Seinfeld reunion, and we got it with that season. And to see those four main characters interacting with one another and interacting with Larry, I thought that was great. I absolutely loved it. 
I also loved, and this is because I'm such a big Mel Brooks fan, the season where they did the producers. And the fact that they had Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft in it was great. David Schwimmer is phenomenal in that season. Ben Stiller is phenomenal in that season. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And then um, just because J.B. Smoove's character, Leon, adds such a different element to the show, the season where the blacks, and that's their last name, I'm not trumping them, uh, the season where the black family moves in with the Davids, that was great. Uh, but honestly, I love every season. The season with Lin-Manuel Miranda where they're doing Fatwa, I love that. I still sometimes sing that song, with, uh, that opening number from Fatwa with F. Murray Abraham to myself. So I don't want to comment too much. I love the finale, and I love the guest star that they had in the finale. I'll comment on that on Monday. But if you have questions on any subject, now's the time because we're doing... The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank... Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Any subjects, A to Z, I will answer your questions to the best of my ability. Film, television, books, movies, radio, business, cocktails, advice, gambling, pro wrestling, local politics, restaurants, New York, the criminal justice system, aliens, the mob, hypothetical questions, baseball, or the culture at large. Now's the time. 800-848-9222. Duke is in Flushing. Hello. Hello. Happy New Year. Likewise. Enjoy your celebrations, and God bless your family. Thank uh, you. It's kind of tough to think of a question. I won't be stupid real quick, but anyway, the guy ahead of me a couple calls ago, he, he sparked a little something. What are your top three in order from best to third original Star Trek episodes? Um, oh, that's a good one. Okay, so my my favorite episode is is probably Space Seed. I love the episode with Khan. Then uh, it's probably Mirror Mirror, and then I'd like to give you mine when you're done. What? And then uh, and then it's the Menagerie uh, because I love seeing the backstory with Captain Pike wow. and the Telosians. Frank, I thought you were gonna, I thought we were going to be on the same wavelength. Mine are uh, number one is the Gorn. That's a good one. The, the arena. One. The arena. I, I can't remember all the names of the episodes. I try, but my memories. And the other one is the uh, the quat the loons with the brains in the glass. The way they're betting on the uh, on Kirk beating their yeah. I remember that one. Sure, I remember it. Yeah. You know, five hundred quad loons, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And the other one is uh, it's a toss up between the one with Frank Gorshin. Where he's the black and white face. Right. Let that be your last battlefield. That is a good right. one. Right. And the one with Apollo. Oh, that's a good one. Hey, so Michael, you know what the problem is? What's his name? Michael Forrest. Right. Uh, th- there are so many great episodes. You know, I didn't even mention Trouble with Tribbles. I didn't mention City on the Edge of Forever. I didn't mention Where No Man Has Gone Before. I didn't mention Balance of Terror. Uh, I didn't mention A Mock Time that with that dramatic. I watch A Mock Time, and I don't want to give anything away. But I watch a mock time and look, I know what happens in the episode and then I know what happens in 50 subsequent years of Star Trek history. And that scene, and if you know the episode, you know what I'm talking about. That episode with Kirk and Spock and where you think something happens to one of them, even though I know what happens after that, I still get choked up watching that scene. I still get goosebumps Watching that scene, the way they used music on that show is something I don't think they ever got proper credit for. 
um, literally, when I watched that scene, you know the music, right? And they, they did this in uh, – they used that music in uh, the movie The Cable Guy, I think, too. But it's when they go, dun, dun. And uh, Chapring is explaining to Spock the reasons she did what she did. I Just thinking about it right now, just visualizing it, the back of my neck, I'm getting chills. And that's a phenomenal episode. And I didn't even mention it. In my top three. That's how good of a show it is. That's why it's one of the best shows of all time. And by the way, as we've talked about on this show with Dr. Michael Sala and others, there's a lot of evidence that Gene Roddenberry was fed either directly or indirectly information by the government in order to kind of get the public ready for UFO disclosure. And a lot of people speculate there's a reason the Space Force symbol looks a great deal like the symbol of the Federation of Planets. And check out Dr. Michael Sala's book, uh, Our Star Trek Future. I know it sounds crazy, but the more you learn about it, the less crazy it seems. 800-848-9222. Amos is in Brooklyn. Hello there, Amos. Yes, good evening, Uh I would like to ask you uh, if you uh, believe in uh, heaven uh, and hell, or and where do you think you're going? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't presume to speculate on where I'm going. Uh, I am not sure of the Episcopal philosophy on purgatory. I heard Curtis a little confused about that. I do believe in heaven and hell. No idea where I'm going. I certainly hope I'm going to heaven, but heaven knows I've had more than my fair share of sins. Uh, so uh, I hope I'm going to heaven. I certainly believe in it. I believe in hell as well. I can't. I can only speculate where where I where I'm going to end up. Mike is in St. James. Hello, Mike. Thank you, Frank. Uh, there were certain news reports that a certain billionaire donated money to certain election and county districts in the 2020 election. Do you think it was true? And it could have happened in the 22 2022 election. Are you talking about George Soros and the district attorney elections? Uh, no, I believe it was Zuckerberg. Yeah, I, you know, again, I've seen those reports, and uh, they str- they seem true. And yes, uh, our, it could happen again in 2022 because our campaign finance laws are so porous and so non-existent that there's nothing that stops somebody that's super wealthy from funding a super PAC or a nonprofit that does political work. And that goes across the board. It's a big problem. It's a big problem. But the, the, the problem for the Republicans, and again, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I voted Republican and Democrat. I routinely vote Democrat and Republican and Independent every year. The problem for the Republicans, and I say this as an analyst of politics, not someone with a rooting interest. The problem for the Republicans in 2022 is not Mark Zuckerberg. It's not George Soros. It's abortion. And the Supreme Court. And I think Alan Dershowitz last night on the Cats at Night show really nailed it in terms of the problem. And this is the 77 WABC clip of the day. And you can hear the Cats at Night show every weeknight at 5 p.m. This is Alan Dershowitz talking about the forthcoming arguments that the Supreme Court is going to hear on abortion. We're going to have a major, major decision. I never predict Supreme Court decisions because it depends on, you know, who's on the court and what their attitudes are. But I think the most likely result is that the Mississippi statute of 15 weeks will be upheld without striking down the rest of Roe versus Wade. But it's possible that uh, Chief Justice um, Roberts won't get 
an additional vote. There are now four votes for keeping Roe, uh, the three liberals and, and him. And the fourth vote has to come either from Kavanaugh or from Barrett. And nobody knows for sure whether that fourth vote will come or whether Roe will be overruled. And if Roe is overruled, what will that do politically? Remember, the majority of Americans support a woman's right to choose. So it will give the Republicans a bad political issue. They've been spared that issue over the years by the Supreme Court. If it's bounced back into politics, who knows what impact it could have on the midterm elections or on state elections or on city elections. Boom! It would have a, a definitive negative uh, on the Republicans in 2022. I think that's right. Yeah, Dershowitz and John Katsimatidis are exactly right there. Because right now, the Republicans, as I see it, they are going to run the table on the 2022 elections. They're going to take back both houses of Congress. They're going to take back some state legislatures. They're going to uh, they're going to win seats that they didn't even realize were competitive uh, unless Roe versus Wade gets overturned. If Roe versus Wade gets overturned, then you're going to see a lot of independents. A lot of liberal Republicans and a lot of conservative Democrats say, oh, wait a minute, I don't want them banning abortion. I don't like what Biden's doing. I don't like what the ha- what's happening at the border. I don't like what's happening with inflation. I don't like these mandates, but I don't want them doing away with abortion. So I would have voted for re- the Republican, but the, or every Democrat running in a competitive district is going to make abortion the issue. And that is going to be the one thing in my opinion, that could cost the Republicans in 2022, the 2022 midterm elections. That's my prediction. The problem's not George Soros or Mark Zuckerberg. It is the is the prospect of overturning Roe versus Wade. And that has nothing to do with whether Roe versus Wade is was properly decided or your a position on abortion. That's just my analysis of the politics of the situation. Now, Molly, who's used to putting people on hold for this portion of the show, she has a question herself, which I will do my best to answer. Hello, Molly. Hi, Frank. Hi. Um, so, so I've been thinking about this for like hours now. Hours? Maybe even days. Wow. Um, but I, I had the thought, and this, I, I don't think it's specifically a you question, okay. but I think you'll have fun with it because you're, I'm, I'm going to sh- shut up and just ask. Let's hear it. Um, so if you could be, or if you were embodied as any inanimate object, inanimate in, object. in New York City specifically, huh. as specific as you can get, what would that object be? And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to wow. be. <laughs> it doesn't have to be like, uh, like in, 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 so not alive, but it doesn't have to be like a physical item. Like it doesn't have to be like a cup. Like it doesn't have to be something you can touch, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. something in New York City that yeah. you would be that is not a living object. I would say it's a good question. I'd like to think about it a little bit more. But if I'm thinking off the top of my head, I would say it would be the um, the building at City Hall because I'm just so interested in what happens within City Hall and I still, as many times I've been in there, I still get such a kick out of walking through the steps, walking into the rotunda, walking into the council chambers and I still get such energy out of it. So I would say it's probably that building, the City Hall building. Okay. What's yours? Um, so I told Matt that uh, if, if I were any object in New York City that is not alive, I would be 
the classical music that they play in the Port Authority bus terminal to keep people calm. <laughs> okay. That doesn't actually work. <laughs> That's not bad. All right. Well, good question. A creative one. We like that. We like creative off the beaten path questions and Molly delivered in spades there. If you want to be heard and ask a question, now's the time. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Gary in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hello, Gary. Hey, how are you, Frank? Um, better now that you've asked. Good. Anyway, uh, uh, let me be brief as possible. Um, I remember some time ago uh, you were uh, saying that you lost a friendship with a good girlfriend, a friend, a platonic friend that was a lady uh, based upon your political views. Uh, Have you been able to rekindle that friendship? Uh, Honestly, go ahead. What was your your follow-up? And has your political views shifted at all? Uh, So the short answer is I have not rekindled my relationship with her. It is on my list to send her a lengthy email. Well, maybe not lengthy, but an email explaining my view of the situation. And every time I'm ready to send that email or write that email, I get distracted with other things. And I want to make sure I'm writing it with a clear head. So, no, I have not reached out to her again. And – Look, do my political has my political view shifted at all? Sure, my political views shift all the time. The more I learn about a subject, the the better informed I become about a subject. The more my views shift. However, I still would have voted for Donald Trump in 2016 and in 2020. That has not changed. Eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. The original Rick in New Jersey. Hello. Good morning, Frank, and happy holidays. Likewise. Um, thank you. Uh, this is, has to do with more with common sense, so it's not wacky, although common sense now seems to be wacky. You were just talking about electric cars and, and whether the gas cars were going to, you know, one day were going to come get out of uh, favor. What do you think about this whole go electric thing with the common sense? I, I, Frank, every time they talk about it, it's like I have brownouts. We have brownouts and rolling blackouts in the summer. Where do they think all this power is coming from? To plug in millions of electric cars. You know, de Blasio now said you can't have gas-powered appliances in New York City. You have to have electric ranges in a lot of towns. So your question is, where do I think the electric power is coming from? Yeah, where are they going to get it? They closed down Indian Point. Yeah, I I don't have I don't have an answer for you on that, Rick. It's a fine question. It's one I don't know. I, I think you point out the main problem. When it comes to electric cars, and I have no answer for you on that front. Jorge is in Manhattan. Hello, Jorge. Hi, uh, Frank. Good morning. My question is, what do you know about a Amish um, country in Lancaster, Pennsylvania? What, are they, are they uh, suffering from the COVID-19 like everybody else, or, uh, or due to the isolation, maybe... They, they didn't get sick. Um, what do you know about it? Yeah, uh, they they were, um, th- you know, th- they were, um, I think at different points, there were both. Uh, they both were, one, staying pretty safe uh, from uh, from COVID early on because of the pandemic. But I think a lot of the Amish and Mennonite community, communities did suffer a little bit later um, because they're so closely uh, – together. So the death rate uh for for 2020 from 2015 to 2019 in terms mm-hmm. of not not covid but uh, other 
communicable diseases uh, like uh, measles and things like that. The death rate did go up uh, by 125 percent from 2015 to 2019. Now, the wow. team that researched this uh, at West Virginia University said that a lot of those deaths might be or might not be directly related to COVID. But uh, so I, I don't know, to be honest, I'd like to I'd like to look into that a little bit more. Uh, there has been some research and the research that I've seen has the it, it seems like the jury's still out. But I, I think by and large, um, the Amish community, the deaths there, mostly it mirrored the deaths in the population at large. It just did it at a little bit of a different Time, if that makes sense. That's my understanding. And again, it's a good question. It's one I'm going to research a little bit more um, because people have researched it, including uh, Rachel Stein, who's a professor of sociology, and she analyzed obituary information in an Amish newspaper to examine deaths among uh, that segment of the population last year. And they published these results. And that's my understanding of where she came down, that it mirrored most of the population at large. It was just a little bit of a different time than everybody else was experiencing. Neil is on Staten Island. Hello, Neil. Hey, Frank. Uh, I was wondering, uh, you've been championing uh, UFOs on many of your shows. You've had many experts who have written books about it. I'm wondering, why haven't you used your power in the radio to actually try to have our government take all stops out to capture one of these UFOs because they don't run on gas or electric or, or, or oil. They must have some sort of propulsion system coming from another planet. Uh, it could solve the Earth's energy crisis. Well, it's a great it's a great point, Neil. And look, we don't know what these objects are. We know they exist, but we don't know what they are. They could be uh, Chinese. They could be Russian. They could be American. All right? We don't know that they're extraterrestrial for a fact. Let's say they are uh, in terms of your premise. If you look at media platforms, there have been other media platforms that have spent time that are bigger than me analyzing the UFO question. Tucker Carlson is the most watched show in cable news. He devotes a substantial amount of time to UFOs. So if he can't get them to capture one and learn their secrets of energy propulsion, then I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to. Uh, That being said, there's a lot of folks, Neil, that believe that the government is doing exactly what you suggest, uh, that we've spoken with guests on this show who say the government has been, from time to time, reverse engineering alien technology. In fact, some people have said right here on this show that the entire um, industrial, uh, the uh, the information highway revolution of the 50s and the 60s, and a lot of those inventions was the result of reverse engineering alien technology. Got one question here from John on Facebook. Hi, Frank. What career path do you see your son taking? Radio personality like yourself, or would you encourage and would you encourage him in that direction? Or if not, what would your second career choice be for him? One, you know, I would encourage him to follow his <laughs> his heart. As you can hear from young Carmine, he's got a mind of his own already. He's very independent already. So uh, I, I think he's going to have no problem, ha- no problem deciding whatever career path he wants. I don't know. I mean, um, I, I look, I um, it's difficult. And I've spoken about this with John Gambling and his sons because he did not encourage his sons to follow him into radio. It is a very difficult 
business to make a living in. It's almost the equivalent of, I mean, it's just, I don't want to say it's like winning the lottery, but it almost is. To be able to pay your bills as a radio personality, it's almost like getting struck by lightning, which is one of the reasons I consider myself so incredibly lucky and so grateful to John Katzenmatidis, quite frankly, because he's the person that I have to thank for that. So um, now there might be other similar career paths available to him, but it's funny. I was working with Curtis and Kuby as uh, their intern many years ago, and um, I said to uh, – they were both aware of my career aspirations. And Ron said to me – he asked, you know, what do you hope to do? And I said, I hope to be a radio talk show host. And Ron said to me that uh, I don't think that's something you should aspire to be. I think that's something that may or may not – that you should look at that as something that may or may not happen. Curtis was the exact opposite. He encouraged me, uh, since that was what I wanted to do, to pursue this as a career and said that, uh, look, you know, um, first of all, Ron doesn't, you know, listen to talk radio enough. He doesn't understand a lot of aspects of the business. You should absolutely pursue this if this is what you want to do. And Curtis gave me a lot of very practical pieces of advice in terms of how to pursue it. The other guy that was very encouraging uh, when I was a young person in terms of pursuing radio as a career was Brian Whitman. Uh, Brian said that uh, broadcasting was a great career to aspire to and gave me a lot of advice on how to go about it. But as far as what career, um, uh, you know, look, if I had five sons in a fantasy world, right, I'd love to see one become uh, an elected official. I'd love to see one become a radio talk show host. I'd love to see one become a filmmaker. I'd love to see one become a criminal defense attorney. Uh, I'd love to see one become uh, sort of a, 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 a an interesting shady con man, right? But who knows? Who knows? Uh, my contentment will be if young Carmine is able to provide for himself and his family and do something that he finds fulfilling, whatever that is, uh, whether it's being an accountant, a doctor, uh, an attorney, uh, working construction, uh, a plumber. You know, uh, I would have no issue if he wanted to pursue a blue collar profession either. You know, so whatever makes him happy, although given the amount of time that he seems to enjoy being held, I don't know that he has the grit at this point for a blue-collar profession like uh, electrician or or construction person. So I don't know. We'll continue with your questions in just a moment. Four open lines if you want to jump on board. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. I'll tell you, one of my great hopes for young Carmine is that he is not overweight. And he's a growing boy now, and he's eating every two hours. I hope that is not a habit that follows him into adulthood. Because I have looked in the mirror lately and not liked what I have seen. And I am determined, after the new year, to do something about it. And that's where Mitch Suss and the Skinny Center comes in. They've helped a lot of people, including my colleague Greg Kelly, lose some weight. And Greg looks great. And he's healthy, which is the most important thing. And they do this with comprehensive lab testing, which pinpoints abnormalities in your body chemistry and the reasons that you overeat, the reasons that you crave sugar, the reasons that you're always hungry. Greg has been working with Mitch Suss. He feels great. He looks great. So if you want to do what Greg has done and do what I'm going to do, Consider calling the Skinny Center, 914-703-4811, or go to theskinnycenter.com. That's theskinnycenter.com. 
Frank, where are you going? WABC. Start your morning with Frank Morano on 77 WABC. You are indeed starting your morning with Frank Morano on 77 WABC, our final show of the year 2021. So we're doing an Ask Frank Anything, 800-848-9222. Doing my best to answer your questions on any subject. Bob is in Bayside. Hello, Bob. Hello, Frank. How are you there? Um, My question is this. Did you have any trepidation about inviting Curtis Lewa and John Gotti Jr. to your wedding? No, no. Uh, My philosophy with um, inviting both of them was the same as relatives that don't get along with one another or friends who have differing political stripes that uh, that don't get along with one another, which is both of them know that the other one's likely to be there and they don't have to come if it's something that they're uncomfortable with. And I've been with both of them enough times where I know that they're both, in spite of the bravado, mostly on Curtis's part, they're both capable of acting like adults and not doing anything overtly foolish that's going to embarrass me or my wife. And I think both of them had enough respect for me not to make a scene there. So, no, there was zero trepidation. None at all. Steve is in Beth Page. Hello, Steve. Hi. Uh, good morning, sir. Um, I want to ask you, who was your favorite Brooklyn Cyclone that you met uh, when you worked with the Brooklyn Cyclones? Uh, oh, that's a good choice. There's got, there's a lot of them that are high on my list, but I guess the answer would probably be, um, would probably be Mike Jacobs. Okay. Mike Jacobs was a catcher for the Cyclones. And then, uh, he yeah. went on, he actually made it to the major leagues. He played for the Marlins, played for some other teams. And I'll never forget, I think it was the home opener in 2001. And this is what cemented it for, for me with Mike Jacobs. That was a championship year. Yeah. Oh, I know. Well, co-championship because of what happened on September 11th. Yes. What yeah, happened with me? For, I had tickets for that. Yeah. So what happened, uh, Mike, I don't know if you remember that game or if you were at that game, but a fan started, he ran out on the field and he started running the bases and he goes from first to second to third. And then this drunk idiot is rounding the bases, heading for home. And the catcher, Mike Jacobs, while he's catching, he runs up to the fan and spears the fan. And in my life, I never saw a professional baseball player actually tackle the fan like like that. And then we became friends. We went out for drinks that night to Captain Walters. And then uh, he dated briefly uh, a friend of mine. And we would hang out pretty regularly. And we got to be pretty good friends. And um, when he got called up, uh, I had him sign the, the uh, reproduction of the Brooklyn Dodgers when they won the championship. Who? Who's a bum? And I still have that autograph that he signed. And I really, he was my favorite because we, I got to know him the best at the time. There's a number of others that I like. Angel Pagan, Jay Calgary, uh, Joe Giannetti, Ian Bladergrown, um, uh, Sean Bowman. Uh, really too many to list from those seasons from 2001 through 2003. Robert McIntyre. A lot of guys you'd never heard of because they never made the major leagues. But uh, if I had to pick one, it's Mike Jacobs. 800-848-9222. Sarah is in Wisconsin. Hello, Sarah. Frank, I promise I will not become the Raj of the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd have to call under different names if that was the case, Sarah. Is that what it is? Well, yes. I know it's two days in a row, but I've wanted to ask you this for a long time. I was a huge, huge fan of Imus, 
and I mean, listened to him for 25 years, but always on the TV when they started televising him. And I was wondering, had you ever met him? What were your thoughts of his show, which I thought was incredibly tightly run? And part of the reason I ask also is because Bernie and Sid refer to him with a sort of reverence tapered with uh, totally being intimidated and a bit of resentment, okay? And frankly, when you look at it, Imus was really responsible for where they are now, I think, because of the exposure. And Bernie was so wonderful as the foil to, to Don Imus. But anyway, what was your opinion of him? as broadcaster and as having a radio show. Uh, excellent question, uh, Sarah. I did uh, I did meet him, and uh, I did not know him well at all. I don't think he'd remember my name if he were still alive today. I met him, so uh, when um, when Curtis and Kuby got canceled in December of 2007, they were replaced with Imus, they basically, my role from December of 07 to April of 08 was to produce Curtis's 5 a.m. hour, because remember, Curtis was on from 5 to 6, and then to just hang around and be helpful, okay, to Bernie, to Phil Boyce, the program director at the time, to other people. So I met Imus a number of times. I edited a couple pieces of audio that he played on his show, some audio montages and things like that, and he gave me credit for them, and he thought that, uh, and th- which I thought was nice. He didn't have to do that, and um, I, it, gave, it was, gave my, uh, my Aunt Camille, for instance, who was a listener, gave her a big thrill to hear Imus mention my name. I'll be honest, I was always a Howard Stern fan, and maybe it's uh, having been conditioned from years of listening to Howard Stern. I um, never liked Imus's show, really. Uh, did not care for it. I was much more of a Howard Stern fan. I have a lot of respect for the people that uh, feel otherwise. And I've had a lot of conversations with the people that worked on Imus's show back then. Not Sid, because he didn't. he wasn't there in December of 07 to April of 08. But Bernie, Lou Rufino... Warner Wolf, uh, others. And the stories that I would hear about how I mistreated his staff and people in general, they were reprehensible. I mean, there's no excuse for the kind of behavior that um, that that I miss inflicted upon these people. He tortured these people. And um, and caused so much damage. You know, I would see him. You know, again, I don't want to. Bernie can tell his stories. Um, and other people could tell theirs. I don't want to repeat them. But the stories they told me about how miserable Imus was off air and how he would treat people, it soured me even more. It took a show that I didn't listen to and make me um, dislike it even more. That being said, there were some things about it that you have to like. One, it was unpredictable. I like that element of unpredictability. Two, it was um, they had very good guests, and I missed did very unconventional, very interesting interviews with some of those guests. And then, um, you know, but I think a lot of the credit for the success of that show, both the behind-the-scenes aspect of it and the on-air aspect of it, really goes to Bernard McGurk. Bernie is a brilliant radio talent and one of the finest wits anywhere. And I think he had he not played the comedic role on that show that he did, impersonating Ray Nagin, uh, doing the character of the Cardinal, I don't think that show would have been as successful. Had he not had uh, such a, a behind-the-scenes organizational hand in the show, especially towards the later years, I think every show would have been Imus inviting Deirdre on to hawk whatever sham charity she was promoting or whatever sham cleaning products she was promoting. Bernie made that show um, not only listenable, but very good. It was not for me. 
You give me a choice. If I'm Mr. Curtis and Kuby, I'm picking Curtis and Kuby. I'm Mr. Howard Stern, picking Howard Stern. I'm Mr. John Gambling. I'm picking John Gambling. It's never my cup of tea. Until next hour, your influence counts, so use it. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. side of midnight i'm frank morano our final hour on the air on the other side of midnight now i am sticking around until 6 a.m i'm going to anchor the 77 wabc early news from five to six because frank diaz came in here yesterday with covid i couldn't believe my ears when i hear him saying well i'm not really feeling that well today excuse me frank who's forcing you to come in stay home anybody can read the news so uh, I'm going to be reading the news from 5 to 6. And um, hopefully, if a lot of people are off today, either for the holidays or for COVID around the radio station, I just might, I just might, don't tell anyone, shh, I just might sneak some opinion in there, which they really want that hour being devoid of. But I'm an opinionated guy. Let's be honest. I might sneak a little opinion in there. But shh, don't tell Jesus anyone. Frank. All right. Uh, I will continue with your calls in just a minute. 800-848-9222. Still to come, the least covered stories of 2021, at least as far as I'm concerned, and uh, the passing of John Madden. I have some thoughts on the passing of John Madden as well. I will tell you, though, uh, I'm in a little bit of a, a quandary. So yesterday, really two days ago, my wife was not feeling well. And then yesterday, she, you know, she started, uh, you know, she still was not feeling well. She had flu-like symptoms. She um, was feeling fatigued. She had, um, you know, aches, aches and pains and chills. No fever, but aches and pains and chills. And she said, well, look, are you really going to leave for Atlantic City in two days if I'm not feeling well and I have to care for our child? And obviously, um, while I don't want to miss the New Year's Eve Eve celebration, if that's the case, I don't see how I can leave my wife with a uh, with a sick child. So, I mean, with, with our sick mother with our child. So, of course, I won't uh, if that's the case. Uh, I'm hoping she will recover, and that was my hope. So, anyway, she takes a. She gets these at-home COVID tests. Now, keep in mind, I still have had zero symptoms. And just last week had another negative PCR test. No symptoms, none. So she gets this at-home COVID test. Positive. So she's now very upset. She's already a little temperamental because she's not feeling well. She's temperamental because she now has to handle our child with a mask. And she didn't like that we had an argument over my still wanting to go to Atlantic City. So then um, she calls my stepmother and asks if the baby can stay over there for the night since I'm going to be at work. 
So she says to me, you also take one of these rapid tests because if you're positive, you shouldn't go to work and you should tell the people at work that you're that you're positive. So I take these rapid t- this rapid test. I stick, uh, you know, a, a, a cotton swab up the left nostril, stick it up the, uh, the right nostril. Then you put it into the, a little bit of solution. You swirl it around. You take this the drops from the solution and you put it onto this plastic container. You wait 10 minutes. And then it says, after your 10 minutes are up, it says you need to take a photograph of the tester now, what they call the container, within five minutes. Within five minutes. So I upload the photo. There's no blue line next to the T. Now, I don't know what these lines mean. I see a purple line next to a C and no blue line next to a T. That's what I see. And the thing asks you a question after you upload the photo. Are you sure? Are you sure you don't see a blue T? Sometimes it can be very faint. And I said, no, I don't see a blue T. So it comes back. It says you're negative. Okay, great. I'm thinking that's great. I'm still negative. Now, this is the third rapid test that I've had that says I'm negative. So um, my wife is not feeling well, and she's annoyed with me, and she's exhausted, which only makes you feel worse, right? So I said, do you need anything? I'm trying to be helpful. And she says, uh, I have to go out. I had to pick up my, my egg salad from my Aunt Camille. I said, do you need anything while I'm out? She gives me a few things to pick up at the drugstore, cough drops, vitamin C. I do that. By the way, I went to the drugstore. They were sold out of every single type of cough drop except one. There was only one type of cough drop uh, left at two drugstores, actually. So I pick them stuff up, and then I come back, come back home. And my wife takes the stuff, and then she looks at my test and her test, And she says, look, this test shows, the test that you just took, there's a little blue line next to the T. It shows that you're positive. I said, honey, that line wasn't there before. And she said, I know what the problem was. She said, you did not wait the full five minutes. I said, I followed the instructions on the app. It doesn't say wait 10 minutes and then wait five minutes. It says upload the photo within five minutes. So understand what happened here is I took the photo within five minutes, but Rachel is saying that I had to upload the photo after five minutes. And there's no question, after five minutes, the blue line did emerge. Very faint, still not as brightly colored as her was, but the blue line did emerge after five minutes. But I kept saying, honey, no, it's got to be within five minutes. Within five minutes, not after five minutes. And we talk it in circles. And, you know, you know, when you're when you're arguing with someone who just doesn't want to argue with you anymore and believes they're right. They said, all right, fine. OK, I don't, I don't want to talk about this anymore. All right. So I had to go on preparing for the show. Still zero symptoms. And then my wife says she's going to bed. She goes to bed. but She doesn't go to bed. She go to sleep. Rather, she instead sends me an email telling me all the reasons that I have a warped perspective on this. And then she goes on to say, so take the test again. Now, I thought she was saying, take another rapid test at home. And instead, what she was actually saying is, take the test at work, because they're testing us here at work today at 1030. She was saying, stick around, take the test at work. And I, so I said, okay, I'll take the test again. So again, 
I take the test, and again, the result is negative. But once again, after five minutes, after five minutes, it shows a blue line next to the T, which if it was within five minutes, would set would indicate that I'm positive. So we had a big argument over what within five minutes means. I keep saying it's within five minutes. I took the photo within five minutes. And she said, no, you have to take it after five minutes. And I said, look, it says within five minutes. Yes, within five minutes. You didn't wait the whole five minutes. It was very frustrating. It reminded me of that scene in My Cousin Vinny. I mean, did you buy them from the same guy who sold Jack his beanstalk beans? Uh, Objection, Your Honor. Objection sustained. Are you sure about that five minutes? Are you sure about that five minutes? I don't know. I think you made your point. Are you sure about that five minutes? I may have been mistaken. I got no more use for this guy. A classic film, if ever there was one. So, yeah, we had a whole discussion about what five minutes means. But I still felt pretty good coming to work because the result within five minutes still showed me as being negative. So they're testing us all at work today uh, at 1030. So I'm going to stick around after the WABC early news and... um, I'm going to get tested at 1030, and uh, I'm not sure what to do, honestly. Assuming, now, again, um, assuming I am positive, then it would probably be irresponsible of me to go to this New Year's Eve Eve party with 40 people, right? I mean, or would it not if I'm still asymptomatic? And B, again, uh, our our my father and stepmother are watching our child, so we don't have to worry about taking care of him today. Um, B, I don't know that, you know, it's wise for me if my wife is still not feeling well to leave town. However, I'm reminded of a campaign that I worked on 18 years ago. And it was a campaign where it came down to paper ballots, affidavits and absentee ballots. And I was supporting, it was a nonpartisan election, but I was supporting the Democrat. And he was trailing by... A hundred votes, a hundred votes. And the more votes were counted, the more this cost, because you have to hire lawyers and staff to be there all day long. And this post recount became a quite a costly you know, process. And then as they counted more votes, my candidate fell further behind. And so one of the guys in the campaign says, hey, look, you got to be careful here. You can't let anybody know that our guy is losing because we won't be able to raise money to pay for all these lawyers. They're only going to give us money if, you know, if the if people think he's winning. Now, there's these these 50 people come into this New Year's Eve party on Thursday. They're all going to have a good time whether I'm there or not. Obviously, I think a lot of them are coming basically to hang out with me. So I don't want to dissuade any I don't want to tell anyone at this point that I might not be coming. But the truth is that I might not be. So that's kind of the quandary that I'm in right now. Now, meantime, I am scheduled to get a haircut today. Um, and I am scheduled to marry a couple today. So I am, and I said to the couple, look, my wife is positive. I don't know if you want to wait. And they said, no, we need to get this done by the end of the year. We have our marriage license. Um, we'll wear masks if you want. You want to wear a mask if you can, but we don't care. So I'm going to marry this couple anyway uh, th- this afternoon. So it's a, it's, a, it's a crazy day. Plus, if New Year's Eve Eve does happen, or if I go and if I don't go, I still have to do all the prep work 
even if I don't end up going and I have to pick somebody else to kind of be the point person. So that's what I'm saying. I'm so over all this COVID stuff. It's so annoying. I'm hoping it's a negative test, and that's one less thing that we all have to worry about today. Still to come. The least talked about news stories of 2021 and the $1,000 Minute. And don't look now, but speaking of Curtis Lewa, Curtis Lewa has uh, entered the building. I might ask him to poke his head in here for a little bit. But first, let me say hello to Craig in Connecticut, who's been patiently holding. Hello, Craig. Oh, Craig is gone. Craig has had other priorities. All right. Very quickly, let me mention this before we get to the least talked about news stories of the year and the, um, you know, and and the thousand dollar minute. John Madden has passed away. John Madden in professional sports is an icon. You know, I had intended on Christmas to watch that new uh that new Madden documentary all Madden and we didn't get to because things were so crazy with all this covid stuff John Madden was remarkable as a coach and as a sportscaster I knew him mostly as a sportscaster but he really had a legendary career as a coach as the head coach of the Oakland Raiders for 10 years led them to a Super Bowl and then Uh, Making that transition from coaching to broadcasting, which not everybody can do, he then won 16 sports Emmy Awards. And uh, he was he never played in the NFL, never played professional football. Very good player in uh, high school and in foot and in uh, college was drafted by the Eagles, but he was injured before his uh, before he had a chance to play, started coaching in college. And then ultimately in the pros, and he was a great coach, somebody that had a great head for football. And even if you didn't care about football, he was somebody that uh, was a an incredible broadcaster. He was so entertaining. His abilities to tell a story, his abilities to be an entertainer, his abilities to connect with people on a visceral level are part of what led him to be parodied so often, part of what led him to have so many cameos in television shows and in films. Uh, you remember the film Little Giants, for instance? And part of why audiences took to him, even if they weren't necessarily football fans. Then they had these video games, uh, Madden 95, Madden uh, starting from 1988 on. There was Madden whatever year it was. And Madden lent his voice, his personality, and his name to this series of football video games that were put out by EA Sports. And they were some of the best-selling video games in history. In history. And they were a lot of fun to play. I played them. Uh, And Madden himself, Madden the person, viewed Madden the game as an educational tool. And I think that's what separated the Madden football game from a lot of other video football games. And during the initial planning conversations with EA Sports, Madden envisioned the program as a tool for teaching and testing plays. That's where I learned about football plays, playing that game. What's a flea flicker? What's a fake field goal? You see, it was really an incredible educational tool, and I can only imagine how many uh, young people thought about coaching either youth sports or even later on.
because of all the plays that you first get exposed to in that game. When you're watching football as a 9-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old, you don't necessarily think about the plays. You don't think, oh, that's a Hail Mary. Uh, that's a nickel defense. Um, you know, you don't think about those things. But when you get to select that option as a play, as a young person, you do think about them. And then when you see how the play is drawn out, it makes it, it you know, it, 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 it kind of puts a little reality to the play. So I never got to meet John Madden, never spoke to John Madden, but he seems like a great guy. And uh, he seemed like he was a great guy. And he also seemed like he so loved the sport of football. And his enthusiasm for football was infectious. And you loved the game more listening to him talk about it. And I'm eager to hear uh, Curtis Lewa and Russ Salzberg, because I'm sure Russ, as a sportscaster, has some interesting thoughts on it. But when it, when he would, at the end of the season, make his all-Madden team the best players at any position, that, being selected to be all-Madden, was an even greater accomplishment than being selected for the Pro Bowl. It was that's the kind of credibility that John Madden had with fans, players and coaches and, and broadcasters. And I'm going to miss seeing him. And I'm sorry that he's gone, but he passed away at the age of 85, 800. And I'm looking forward to seeing that documentary. It doesn't look like it's available on demand yet, but I think after January 4th, it will be 800-848-9222. Jeff is on Staten Island. Hello, Jeff. Hey, good morning, Frank. How you doing? Uh, first off, John Madden was awesome. Um, listen, I'm in the same situation you are, kind of, with this COVID thing. I go to my sister's for uh, Christmas Eve, and my daughter, well, I just got to go back a little bit. My daughter went to a symposium in Atlanta. She comes home, she tests positive. Everybody that went there, the person on the plane that she was next to, her coworker, negative. She's positive. But they never send her PCR up. They just, they're rapid. They say it's positive. So she takes the home test. She's positive. So now, <clears throat> figure 10 days later, my sister says, you know what? Keep her home. You guys can come. You aren't with her. I said, all right. So we go to her house, come to find out my sister and two other people are positive from the Christmas party, from the party. Me, my wife, and my son are sick as dogs, right? But we took those rapid tests. We're we're not positive. Well, uh, uh, so so it's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing, and uh, mm -hmm. I, and I appreciate the call, Jeff. And I'm wishing you the best of health to you, your wife, and your son. I'm in a little bit of a different ball game, right? Because I I have there are three things that I have to consider. Really, there's four things. One, I have zero symptoms. I am not sick at all. I, I've never felt better. Number two, I have a wife that's sick, right? So I have to be kind of sympathetic to what she's going through. Three is we have a son that is going to need some child care. Four is I am scheduled to throw this party tomorrow night that 40 or 50 people are coming to that I've spent an enormous amount of time planning an enormous amount of money on. That's where we are. Right. So those are the four considerations. So here is 
like if, if you know when I do my meditation after the WABC early news, and I do as uh, the guest Cynthia uh, Sue um, Cynthia that we spoke with the other day on Parallel Worlds, and you start envisioning other scenarios. This is the perfect scenario that I'm going to envision as I meditate after the show. After the shows, I'm going to imagine that I have a negative rapid test this morning. Boom. Two, I'm going to imagine that my wife feels significantly better after getting a good night's sleep because she's not up to take care of the baby every two hours. And then three, I'm going to imagine that she feels a lot better about me going to Atlantic City tomorrow and says, you know, you're such a good husband and you, you're always there for me when I need you. I know you put a lot of work into this and a lot of money into this. I want you to go to Atlantic City. Just come back the next day. Don't stay out too late and, uh, you know, and, and come back and we'll spend New Year's Eve together home with our son. That's my sort of perfect world. We'll see how that plays out. By the way, speaking of John Madden, uh, John Madden, as I mentioned, I got to know him best as a play-by-play announcer and a color announcer, and there was nobody that could do play-by-play and color commentary better than he could. I mean, listen to this. Now you're talking football. You're controlling that offensive line. This is what it's all about. And he would paint pictures with words, and he would be kind of so energetic, they would use his actual commentary in the video game. Goodyear blimp fog over 100,000 miles every year covering major sporting events. They've had a beautiful day today. Enjoying it up there, guys? Now, they're inside now, but inside isn't in the middle or on top. That's underneath, I think, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, if you look at that thing, yeah, I never figured, I, I couldn't, see, they're down in here, in this group here, I think. They are. I hope they are. I don't know why they didn't get up above or something. I don't know why they're underneath us. By the way, I want to thank uh, John Antis, our resident uh, crank. He has accidentally given us all some helpful information. Um, he's informed me, he, or Fox Sports has informed him, and he's now informed me, that in honor of the uh, incomparable coach, broadcaster, and leader, John Madden, Fox Sports 1 will re-air their documentary tribute, All Madden, tonight at 9 p.m., in case anyone wants to watch that or DVR it. I don't have DVR, so I can't record it. But uh, who knows? If I'm near a television set, I may try to watch that. And uh, let me hear one more, one more John Madden piece of play-by-play. You brought to the the uh, knowledge of America the turducken and so our friends at the Four Seasons cooked you a turducken oh, there it is that is I think it's a turducken it is a turducken but I got to show you how to oh, oh, I, I I can't show you I need fresh turducken I'm gonna have crazy turducken but anyway anyway here's how you slice it see a lot of people don't know you have to slice it down the middle see and then you slice it across this way because what it is it's a it's a deboned Chicken stuffed in a deboned duck, stuffed in a deboned turkey, with dressing between the chicken and the duck, and the duck and the turkey. So as you cut down that way, you go turkey, dressing, duck, dressing, chicken. So the turducken, if you don't know, is something he helped popularize. It's um, you know part turkey, part chicken. Part duck. I, I think the whole idea of it is absolutely repulsive. But because of John Madden, a whole lot of people tried it who would not have done so. Uh, what we're going to do next is play the $1,000 Minute. 
give you an opportunity to answer 10 questions in 60 seconds. And then the 10 least covered stories of the year, at least as far as I'm concerned. If you want to play the $1,000 Minute, be the seventh caller to 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And uh, you can, if you've never played this game before, you can win $1,000 by answering 10 questions correctly in 60 seconds. Go ahead and be the seventh caller to 800-848-9222 right now. Meantime, if you're not so lucky to answer 10 trivia questions correctly, then perhaps you need alternative planning methods when it comes to the economy. That's where gold and silver come in. The national debt is unsustainable. Inflation is skyrocketing. And if your money is sitting in a traditional retirement account, it's getting eaten away right under your nose. Gold and precious metals can help you. Gold and precious metals offer a hedge against inflation and protect your retirement. If you have an existing retirement account, you can roll it into a gold or a silver IRA and you should do so with legacy precious metals. Gold should be a part of every wise investor's portfolio. Legacy is the company that you can trust because they give you unbiased information based on your individual situation. Contact Legacy Precious Metals today. Call 866-932-0635. That's 866-932-0635. Or visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. See how heat does come out of the top of your head? Look at it. Just coming off of Nate's head there. That's where it escapes. If you could have a barbecue on that head. WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. 77 WABC. side of midnight i'm frank morano that's billy squire everybody wants you everybody wants to win some money and that's what we try and do every day here on the other side of midnight especially right around this time because it's time for the other side of midnight presents it's the thousand dollar minute Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Morano. Let's meet today's contestant, Mark, in Manhattan. Hello there, Mark. Hello. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Mark. Mark, have you heard this segment before? Yep. Okay, so you're you're up on the game. You have 60 seconds. Uh, if you answer a question correctly, the timer will begin after I ask the first question. Uh, if you answer a question correctly, I'm just going to move on right to the next question so we could try and hit as many of these questions as possible. And uh, if you get a question wrong, you'll hear a wrong buzzer, and maybe we'll give you a consolation prize. It's usually a hat or something. You ready to go, Mark? I am. Okay. What colors are on the American flag? Red, white, blue. What's H2O better known as? Water. What is the official nickname of New York State? The Empire State. What is the most common letter in the English language? E. What weakens Superman? Kryptonite. In which country was golf first played? 
Oh, God. England? Uh, I'm sorry. You were on quite a roll. Uh, it was Scotland. Scotland. Oh. You're close. Uh, well done, though, Mark. You were on pace to win. I am uh, curious if you would uh, would have gotten the next question. I'm going to ask it. And the question, the contest is over. But what quarterback holds the record for most touchdown passes? Wow. Uh, I, I would want to say Brady, but uh, I, that's probably wrong. No, that would have been... Uh, that would have been correct. Tom Brady is correct. So you would have gotten, you would have gotten that one. Um, well, so well, doesn't Scotland? That in Scotland and England and Wales all the. Same. No, I mean, Scotland is part of the UK, but it's definitely not part of England. Uh, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, Mark, I uh, hey, we're going to send you, we're going to send you something good. Uh, hang on, give Molly or Matt you. your uh, your information. Uh, stay on hold, okay? Molly, Thanks, I think Mark. got up to print something. So hang on, don't hang up. All right. Okie dokie. All right, hang on. All right. Without further ado, my friends, and uh, if Molly can hear my voice, please get Mark's. Oh, there you go. Good. All right. Great. Grab Mark's uh, information if you would. Uh, it, without further ado, it is now time for what I perceive to be. Now, this is totally subjective, not based on any criteria at all. This is something I like to do the last show of every year because the the, the segment that makes me want to vomit on every radio and, and television show is the biggest stories of the year. Oh, that's the problem with the media. The problem is that they overcover these stories. These stories are covered to death. By the time you see it on the news, it's not just enough that you know what's happening. You see it covered a thousand times. But are there any stories that could use a little more coverage? And so I have come up with my list of the least covered stories of the year or the most underreported stories of the year. And uh, you can agree. You can disagree. You can call in with your comments on these these stories. But without further ado, here is... The Other Side of Midnight presents the least covered news stories of 2021. Once again, and this has made my list for the last uh, five years or so, the war in Yemen. Right now, uh, there is a war going on in Yemen where the Houthis have fired 430 missiles. 851 drones at Saudi Arabia since, uh, uh, you know, according to the Saudi coalition that is on the other side of this battle. Wherever you fall uh, on this, whether you're on the pro-Houthi side or whether you're on the pro-Saudi side, what is happening in Yemen now is a humanitarian disaster. Uh, This is a war that needs to end. And what is so sickening is that there are there are bombs being dropped on innocent Yemeni civilians by the Saudis. And those bombs are stamped with made in the USA weapons that we are making and selling to the Saudis are being used to kill Innocent people in Yemen. How many innocent, how many terrorists do you think we are creating by this? And the thing that makes this so frustrating is I I, I look for coverage of this. When you see that the United States embassy in Yemen, in their capital city, was breached by rebel forces. Did you see coverage of that anywhere? There was no coverage. When you see the detaining of Yemeni employees of the embassy, when you see this war 
just being escalated. This war has gone on for far too long, and the United States has supported and remained deeply involved in this war. It is time for American complicity in this war to end. For more than six years, this Saudi-led military intervention into this civil war in Yemen on behalf of this government that has been exiled against the Yemeni rebels has been a key driver of the largest humanitarian disaster in the world. And we are a party to this. And what makes me even more frustrated by the role that our government is playing in this humanitarian disaster is that you open up the newspaper and you see no coverage of it. No coverage of it so we could hear about Omicron. Omicron, which is not killing anybody. Omicron, which has people wearing masks again. Omicron, which has people lined up for two hours outside catching pneumonia, waiting to see if they have COVID. We get no coverage of a legitimate news issue. Speaking of COVID, there are a number of aspects of this COVID pandemic which have been undercovered. Here's one which I'm betting you have not heard anything about. There's this website, Project Censored, which which does it's it excuse left, but they happen to be absolutely right on this one. One aspect of this which I haven't heard any coverage of virtually is that Pfizer, the company Pfizer, has essentially been bullying South American governments over the covid vaccine. So Pfizer has essentially been holding these Latin American governments to ransom for access to this life saving vaccine. Now, the latest example uh, is how it's it's uh, how it's exerted undue influence to enrich themselves at the expense of low and middle income nations is when it shaped the intellectual property rules that they are now taking advantage of. In one case, this resulted in a three month delay in reaching a deal. Now, for Argentina and Brazil, no national deals were agreed to at all. Now, it's normal for governments to provide some indemnity. But what Pfizer was asking for was additional indemnity. They didn't want to be sued. They wanted indemnity from civil cases, meaning that the company would not be held liable for rare adverse effects from the vaccine or its own acts of negligence or fraud or malice. That includes acts linked to company practices. Say Pfizer sent the wrong vaccine. Or made errors during manufacturing. Pfizer wanted protection from lawsuits if they did something so egregious. Why? Why should they get protected if they made uh, uh, such an egregious mistake? And yet they refused access to this vaccine to these South American countries. How many people contracted COVID? How many people died because of what Pfizer did? And the thing that makes it so frustrating is you heard about it nowhere. You heard about it nowhere. The only other COVID uh, thing that I'll mention is, you know, we've heard a lot about vaccine mandates, right? We hear a lot about the um, vaccine passports. In Europe, they have vaccine passports, too. But you don't have to be vaccinated always. You have an option get vaccinated or show a negative test or show that you've had COVID and recovered from it. Why 
in all the news coverage of the American vaccine mandates is what Europe doing always omitted. They never mention Europe's allowance for negative tests or natural immunity. Why is that never a discussion when we talk about American vaccine mandates? To me, that's a pretty important part of the discussion. You know, another aspect of the news that I think a lot of people missed this year was the death of Dustin Diamond, who played Screech on Saved by the Bell. Now, Screech was an iconic television character. And for all the time that we waste talking about certain celebrity deaths of people who have long been forgotten, Screech continues to live on in in reruns. And yet we heard very little about Dustin Diamond's passing this past year, unless I'm missing something. A lot of people, when I was starting to tell them Dustin Diamond died, they didn't even remember that Dustin Diamond uh, had died. I mean, that goes to show you how little coverage there was. The other story, and we talk about this all the time, is how UFOs have gone mainstream, not on late-night radio shows like this one, but in the halls of Congress. Why is this not a bigger deal? The, the fact that respected senators on both sides of the aisle, Mark Warner, Democrat, Marco Rubio, Republican, have pushed forward legislation reforming the UFO disclosure process. I am amazed when people call me up or they email me and they say there's no such thing as UFOs. Well, tell that to Congress. The fact that Congress is taking this seriously means this should no longer be a fringe issue. It should no longer be thought of as something that's dominated by crackpots. And yet, the fact that Congress has now wrapped their arms around this issue gets very little attention. Very little attention. Uh, this I have to thank uh, Matt Blaze for, for finding, and it's a story that I would not have seen had he not brought it to my attention. Pandas, giant pandas, are now off the endangered species list. Did you know that? Did you know that Chinese pandas, giant pandas, are no longer an endangered species thanks to successful breeding efforts. There are a number of other endangered species that are no longer endangered anymore, but I don't think any of them are as well known as the panda. So uh, I I thought that was pretty interesting, and that was a story that you would have thought would have gotten more attention this year. This story you might think I'm way off base on, and I'm not, and I'll tell you why. One story that I think was way underreported was Curtis Lee was candidacy for mayor. Now, you might say, wait, wait a minute. I heard him on the three talk stations five hours a day every day. How could that have been underreported? The aspect of the race that was underreported was that there still was a mayor's race after June because the narrative that was sowed not only on this radio station but across the media was that as soon as the Democratic primary was over, the race was over. And I think that's one of the reasons you saw a record low turnout in the New York City mayor's race. Now, what if the media, talk radio, newspapers, national media shows that Eric Adams was ubiquitous on, on CNBC, on MSNBC, on HBO, Bill Maher, what if they were to treat the race like it was competitive? You know what would have happened? The race would have been competitive. But instead, what happened was... The media created this narrative that became a self-fulfilling prophecy. They created this narrative that the race was over. And even before there was a single poll conducted, they created this narrative that the race was over. And you know what? At that point, if you say a race is over enough times, 
it is over. So the aspect of the mayor's race that that, that was underreported was that there was a general election contest. And I, I stand by that. Another aspect of uh, the news that I thought was way underreported and I thought could have been um, there could have been a lot more time spent on was the fact that there was a strange signal coming from the Milky Way. So this was a major space mystery. A fast radio burst was detected from within our galaxy for the first time. Now. Why did we not hear about this anywhere? It was located just 30,000 light years from our planet. The event was firmly within the Milky Way, and it was, to all intents and purposes, almost impossible to miss. And yet, nobody talks about it. It's a one-day story. Uh, one, I have to thank one of our listeners for bringing to my attention the supermarket mass shooter. This was a story that was ignored almost entirely outside of the Jewish press. You remember that supermarket mass shooter? We heard a lot about that shooting. We heard a lot about the gun involved. We heard a lot about the people hurt. One of the things that was totally missed in this Colorado supermarket shooting was that this terrorist went out of his way to target kosher friendly a kosher friendly neighborhood days before passover so this was a story that some on the internet covered but ahmed al alui alisa the terrorist who perpetuated this deadly attack in boulder was inspired by isis and targeted this supermarket because it was kosher friendly this was in every sense a hate crime just as much as a lot of these other hate crimes are and yet you heard very little about it and the last one that i'll mention you want to talk about somebody that's been canceled but no one has told them that he's canceled it's woody allen the last story that i think has been underreported this year has been woody allen still making movies the guy is still making movies. He's still getting actors to work with him. He's still getting financing. Now, I'm not saying whether that's right or whether that's wrong. I happen to think whoever wants to make movies should be able to make movies, and people want to see him, see him. You don't want to see him, don't see him. However, did you know Woody Allen was still making movies? He made a movie last year, and he's got another one coming out uh, th- uh, next week. Did you hear about this at all? I mean, look at other Hollywood stars that have been canceled. Mel Gibson, for instance. Look at other people that have tried comebacks, Anthony Weiner uh, and others. That's big news. And yet, Woody Allen comes out with a movie, gets no attention here now. People don't even know that he's making movies. And that, in my view, folks, are the least covered news stories of the year. Coming up in just a minute, we will talk with uh, the aforementioned Curtis Slee. We'll get a preview of what's coming up on the Sliwa and Salzburg show as they do their best imitation of Bernie and Sid. They've both uh, shaved their heads for the occasion. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about how you can do something for your digestive health and for your energy levels. That is lifechangetea at getthetea.com. Now, Get the Tea is a phenomenal product. I drink it every day, two big glasses. And if you try this stuff, you'll like it too. It's a gentle daily cleanse that tastes great and works to get things moving. If you've ever felt... Uh, <clears throat> irregular. You won't anymore after this, but it's a, a lot good for a lot more than just helping you go to the bathroom. It also gives you a ton of energy without caffeine. It gets all the junk that we're putting into our bodies out of your bodies. 
It's all natural. It's non-GMO. One package lasts you a whole month. And if you use the promo code FRANK when you order at GetTheTea.com, you get free shipping anywhere in these United States. They sell a lot of other great products on there as well, vitamins, uh, stuff for your heart, cardiovascular health, stuff for your immune system, stuff for your eyes. The one thing all those products have in common is that if you order them at GetTheTea.com and you use the promo code FRANK when you order, you'll get to enjoy free shipping. So don't miss out. Come for the Life Change Tea, stay for the bee pollen. Come for the Life Change Tea, stay for the pine bark extract. Come for the Life Change Tea, stay for the colostrum. It's all available at GetTheTea.com. Use the promo code FRANK. It is the tea that makes you go. Start your morning with Frank Morano on 77 WABC. Midnight. My thanks to Andy for uh, coming up with that brilliant song. And uh, yesterday, it was Good Riddance Day, a day when New Yorkers uh, burn their bad memories from 2021. Somebody that uh, might have a few bad memories from 2021 or who might be a bad memory to some was the recent Republican nominee for mayor of New York City. And once again, WABC radio talk show host who you could hear along with Russ Salzberg from 6 to 10 on the Bernie and Sid show today, the one and only Curtis Sliwa, who is here. Hello there, Curtis. Ah, Frank, it was in your neck of the woods, Tottenville last night, the Lucas restaurant. I had been charged with my Cumbarichich Rudy Giuliani. Look after my kid Andrew and his gubernatorial run for the GOP nomination. And right before his turn to speak before the young Republicans of Staten Island pack house at Lucas, he fell off the patio platform. Oh, boy. He was going down for the count. And with my left arm that has just been healed from that double fracture, I grabbed him, swooped him up, and kept him from busting his head. Uh, well, so you, you could have saved the next governor of the state of New York. There's no doubt about it. Now, explain to folks, you made quite a bit of news this week uh, with your public endorsement of Andrew Giuliani. Obviously, you won 70% of the vote in the Republican primary for mayor. Clearly, you've got some juice, at least with some New York City Republicans. What made you choose to support Andrew Giuliani at this point instead of the other candidates, Right, It was actually your event, Frank. Wonderful. The event that I was not invited to. That's right. Uh, that was very fortuitous <laughs> that John Katzmatidis decided to invite me to your cigar smoke-off well, event. I didn't invite you because you don't smoke cigars. It's, and you don't drink. It's so, quite all right. Like, that's what people do. Quite all right. So uh, it was at the Carnegie Hall. Uh, Carnegie Club. Yeah. Right, Carnegie Club, across from Carnegie Hall. And you and your buddies, you're smoking up the Cohibas, right. the Monte Criscos, every illegal cigar that's ever been manufactured. And who's there? My Kumbada Cheech, Rudy Giuliani. And we sat down, and we brainstormed, then we did some programs together in the week, uh, and we decided we're going all out for Andrew Giuliani to become the Republican nominee uh, against uh, Lee Zeldin, the congressman, and Rob Astorino. And we began the effort last night in Staten Island amongst the young Republicans, and boy, 
Did he get a raucous welcoming? Well, he's one of them, right? I mean, he's a young guy. He's basically the same, uh, just slightly older than some of the young Republicans. Some people might say that Andrew, um, given the fact that he's never held elective office, maybe he's a little too green. Maybe he's a little too inexperienced to be governor. You're going to be called upon, I'm sure, to be an Andrew Giuliani surrogate up and down the state. What do you say to that criticism? Look at the polls. All the polls indicate that Andrew Giuliani is ahead, ahead of Lee Zeldin, ahead of Rob Asherino. Let the Republican voters in the primary make their own determinations. It's what they said about me. Oh, you haven't served in office. Wow, all these folks who've served in office have done such an outstanding job that New York State is the worst state in the nation with the most exodus, depleted population, highest tax rate, highest crime rate. Wow, our professional politicians have done a real good job, Frank. No bail right, defund the police. How could it get any worse? How could it get any worse? uh, By the way, obviously you can hear we're talking with Curtis Slewa. We're going to do 15 seconds of fame coming up in just a few minutes. If you want to start queuing up for that, 800-848-9222. I'm going to stick around until 6 a.m. to anchor the WABC early news. Uh, what do you and Russ Salzberg have cooking this morning? What are you going to focus uh, oh, on? Well, first off, Al Madden has passed into the hereafter. Coach Madden. So I'm sure that Russ has a lot of memories. And I want to find out from Russ, how did this guy coach a professional football team, the Oakland Raiders, Al Davis hired and was originally from mm-hmm. Brooklyn. He was the real maverick. But he refused to fly. Remember, he had a phobia. That's right. Flying, so he'd have to take trains, buses. That couldn't have been very easy, as you have to go across the country at times to play football. Now games. you've been to a few Super Bowls. Uh, have you, did you ever have occasion to meet John Madden? Yeah, I met him uh, in lobbies. You know, walking. I mean, you couldn't miss the guy. Exactly. I mean, he was like a a, a brick of uh, concrete, but always fast, always ready. Look. Russ, uh, Mr. Sweaterman, he's a sportsmaster extraordinaire. He probably has some stories. I don't think he wears the sweater anymore. Oh, yes, he does. He does? Every day is really? sweater. And okay. think of this. Aaron Rodgers, who probably is going to be the MVP of the NFL, has still not been vaccinated. It's certainly amazing. Uh, so I, what do you guys call your show when you're partnered together? Together, I remember when he was with uh, Steve Summers, it was the sweater and the smoozer. Are you guys the the sweater and the sleeve? No, the, the sweater, sweater and the beret. Uh, it's not alliterative. Oh, though. excuse me. You need you, gotta... yeah, you want you want to spend your next hour instead of doing the news <laughs> trying to figure out a good day for us before we sign on at six? The sweater and the sleeper? I don't know. No, you're not I don't sleep. That's the problem. Yeah. I don't use the my pillow. I never sleep. <laughs> hey, um, something tells me you're not terribly concerned about uh, the U.S. hitting a new daily record of COVID cases yesterday. No, no, because let's face it, this is, uh, I mean, trafficking like wildfire. There's not a per- there's, I don't think there's a person in our area who doesn't know people that have come up with positive tests with this uh, coronavirus. We're going to have to live with it. Stopped his fear, fright, hysteria, and hype where everything has to grind to a halt. But know that you could go to Times Square and be a schmuck where it depends at 3 in the afternoon, stand there for hours, and applaud de Blasio and Charlene on their way out. Just know that you have the right to do that. So I know you're on with Russ for the rest of the year from 6 to 10. I have honestly lost track of your broadcasting schedule for the weekend. Do you have any idea at this point when you're scheduled to be on this weekend? Always, Curtis, all the time, 24-7-365. You know that. That's right. What did John Katzmatidis say five days after I lost the election and he brought me back? 
WABC, always broadcasting, Curtis. That's what it means. And he gave me a 30-year no-cut contract. It's lucky we're not a publicly traded contra- uh, company because the stock would have dipped when he made that announcement. Hey, by the way, can I do the calls, uh, the infamous calls? What is that yeah, again? Yeah, 15 seconds of fame. Go ahead, call infamy. Him. Line up for 15, 15 seconds. 15 seconds of infamy. No, no. I'll just do the first one. 800 Hey, you freak, Fred. <laughs> it is time well, What's for... your infamous wait, statement? Wait, go ahead. We, we work hard on this image. side of midnight, this is... 800-848-922. Curtis called for Fred first, so let's do that. Hello, Fred. Hello, Frank. Happy New Year. Listen, the Webb Telescope, totally underreported. It's going to blow your mind. And good luck in Frantic City. The girls will never know. 800-848-9222. Neil on Staten Island. Nothing says God help America more than watching the president on the beach with his wife and dog. And the senile moron is wearing a mask. 800-848-9222. Roger in Massachusetts. Yeah, uh, I'd like to wish you, uh, Curtis, your families, your colleagues, your staff, and all my listeners a happy, healthy, and prosperous new year. Thank you. 800-848-9222. Raji in Manhattan. Under Trump, it was the best of times. Now it's the worst of times. Under Trump, it was the age of wisdom, might, and success. Now it is the age of foolishness and utter failure. 800-848-WABC. Carol in New Jersey. Hi there, Frank. Happy New Year to you and your family and your staff and everybody. And Curtis, I'll be speaking with you and uh, Russ in a little bit. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Richard in Ridgewood. Happy New Year, Frankie and Curtis, and a shout-out to Joey and Ron Konkuma. Bring back Frankie Russo and the wacky side of midnight. 800-848-WABC. Frank is in Hoboken. Hello, Frank. Donald Trump, your days are numbered. You're fire. God bless America for Joe Biden. <laughs> 800-848-WABC. Jimmy is in the Bronx. Hello. Oh, uh, we got X'd out there, Jimmy. Sorry. Uh, 800-848-9222. Mindy is in New Jersey. Call back if you want, Jimmy. Hello, What Mindy. happened to Jet Set? Maybe it was that ugly remark about your talk Perlman. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that. I don't think so, Mindy. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. If you want to get on the final edition of 15 Seconds of Fame for the year 2021, uh, 800-848-WABC. Uh, let us say hello to George in Westchester. Hello, George. Good morning, Frank. Uh, how about a dream ticket like this? I'm a Republican conservative, but... Rand Paul and Joe Manchin in 2024. Yeah, I'd vote for him. Only, only guys with Goyon. That's for sure. Pete is in the West Village. Hello, Pete. Sizzle moron, sizzle moron. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to David Nicholson. Hello, David. Hey, uh, I say Trump was a man. There you go. You you had uh, 10 seconds to spare there. Um, 800-848-WABC if you want to get in the final 15 seconds of fame for the year 2021. Uh, coming up next, uh, we will do the 77 WABC Early News. Let me end with Joseph. You'll get the last word, Joe. Hello. 
Hey, Frank, happy new year to you and your family. Big shout out to Frank from Glendale. Happy new year. Everybody have a safe and happy uh, holiday. There you have it. All right. Uh, I will be filling in for the 77 WABC early news next, and uh, then I'm off for the rest of the year. You want to stay in touch with me, email me, frank.moreno at wabcradio.com. To be continued.